It'll be like Gar- Garfield minus Garfield. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, here we go. Intro. Now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your weekly podcast that delivers a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. This is your episode 58, which means we're covering from the 5701 to the 58-minute mark of the movie. And uh, I'm your host, Aaron, and with me are two members of the infamous Brooklyn Street Gang. This is a real thing, the Decepticons. (laughs) <laughs> hey damn, my name is fucking uh d- d- Rhinocus. That is not what they sounded like at <laughs> all. No, well, but we gave no Rhino no backstory. That's true. Him. I didn't. So, I, I was saving it about. for a second here. Uh, and I'm not. And I'm not about to try to do a, a uh, an accent. An accent. <laughs> okay, please don't. I will not. I'm Caleb. I know. I'm Caleb, and I'm part of the street gang in Brooklyn. <laughs> so, uh, a little context, just since I really kind of am I going to get killed? Totally no, blindly not. here. Uh, there was a real street gang. I learned this. Another shout out to Ben yeah. uh, Bunch, our friend from Brooklyn. Uh, a street gang, a legitimate street gang in the '80s called the Decepticons, yeah. and not just in name, like in character. Like their their street names were Megatron, Soundwave, that is... like uh, Rumble, Frenzy, Starscream. Like they went by these oh, real monikers, Frenzy. and they were mostly high school kids, but they they um, – they uh, they were kind of a like a robin mob type of gang. Basically, yeah. they were bullies that ha- yeah. that and they would kind of beat kids up and, and steal, steal their, their money. lunch money. And but they I think they would also do some probably petty and maybe some not so petty crimes throughout the they were, uh, they were called, the Brooklyn they were called, streets. Yeah, they were Caleb, how do you know about this? <laughs> well, Ben Ben Bunch uh, oh, turned us turned us on to it because there was a rap there was a rapper called Sean Price that used mm-hmm. to be. A member of the Decepticons, and he was known as Decepticon Sean. <laughs> and uh, so we kind of looked into the gang a little bit more and found out that there were articles written there were about articles them. They were in the terrorizing times, the streets. And they would they would go into they would go into Manhattan or wherever, and they would they would uh, pull you know pull you know <laughs> thievery, and then they would go back to Brooklyn. And they they would which they called Cybertron. Brooklyn was Cybertron. <laughs> oh, there man. was like different guys who had like the name Minosaur, and there was Megatrons. And uh, there's some really there's really some YouTube in, videos out there that you can great, follow up on it. And there's a great Times article about it. If this is right. that is insane, like that. Sean. Because whenever whenever you think whenever you say Brooklyn Gang, I automatically go to like the 20s newsies, like flipping a coin right, next to a wall. Do. But yeah, that's your style. Um, but, but I don't I tell you nothing, Kappa. <laughs> one thing funny in that article is that it mentions that there was other gangs that kind of were like that that didn't work out. They weren't as big or they failed. 
and there was Isn't a there game. Really no, there was a game called the Tonka Trucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's real. This is real. This is real. Uh, so yeah, I'll just say Sean P was a big, a pretty big name that came out of it. Members of Onyx yep. Slam back to fuck up were yep. were associated with the Decepticons. Helta Skelta, Smith and Wesson. So yeah, it was like a real deal, a real kind of subculture of Brooklyn gang life. But Weird. I'll digress from that and talk about the West Coast for a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. I'm just about to say, I can think of somebody else that would have fit right in with the Decepticons. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. All right. Where are you going with this? Well, I was going to help you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the transition that I messed up. So we are absolutely thrilled today to have uh, Mike Seibert with us. He has a great podcast. I'm going to do a little intro here. (laughs) A great podcast out of Seattle, Washington, Mike Seibert Radio, which you can find on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud, probably among other things. And, uh, you know, he basically talks about stuff things uh, in general, whatever the hell he wants, but seems to kind of hone in on movies and indie music and a little bit of nerd stuff. And, you know, I discovered Mike through pure vanity as I knew that he was shouting us out on his show. So I started listening to (laughs) kind of see what he was saying, but become a a listener. And it's great. In particular, I love to hear him talk about movies and and the insights that he brings um, to that. So uh, he loves Transformers the movie, and that's why he's here. So I'll just go ahead and give you a welcome, Mike. Welcome to the show. Well, see, I I can help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) I I I come with my own uh, own sound effects. Well, Aaron, well, thank you so much. That is probably like the most gracious introduction I think I have ever had. Thanks, fam. That's uh, it's it's getting me right in the feels, dude. Uh, uh, thanks a lot for having me on the show. This is uh, this is great. Hey, as we kick into this, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and Mike Seibert Radio? And what I'd really like to hear is how you describe the format of your show. <laughs> well, very good because it's it's kind of uh, all over the place. So we'll start with that. I, uh, you know, at the top of my show, I say it's a podcast radio show about stuff and things that are on my mind every week, and basically that ties into a bunch of the things that you said earlier. I do interviews. I do uh, independent music. I do pop culture news. It's really just kind of whatever happens to be there. Like if there's a artist that wants to do an interview with me, that's that week's episode. If I don't have an interview booked for that particular week, I just talk about like the last couple movies I saw. Or other times I just go like on these huge deep dive rants with uh, co-hosts. Like I have a, a, a co-host uh, named Killing Spree that I have uh, infamously done a, a, a couple shows with. We did uh, Blade Runner 2049. We did Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, coming up, we're going to talk about some monster movies. Like he, He's a huge old school Godzilla fan. So mm-hmm. he's uh, um, I, I think he and I are probably the only two people on this earth that actually kind of liked uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. So we're, uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> that as well as uh, Rampage after that comes out. We'll kind of do like a double bill there. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, so my show is kind of like all over the place and I do some other stuff on the side as well that's uh, um, uh, also a little different. I do a little bit of uh, community activism uh, in, uh, in my uh, in my local community as well. Uh, but basically that's that's what it is. My, my show is kind of a offshoot of my old college radio show and that's kind of 
uh, that kind of gets into my story a little bit. I um, I've been broadcasting for about three years now. I I started at a college radio station called KGRG 89.9 FM. It's at uh, Green River College in Auburn, Washington. And I've uh, I've always been fascinated by radio and broadcasting, and I've always been a fan of the medium. Uh, but I uh, I was at this school for completely different uh, purposes. I was uh, I was taking IT classes. You know, like I had uh, left a um, longstanding job that I was a part of and. And then had some other stuff in my life happen to where it, it was time for a change. I needed to do something uh, different with my life. And my wife suggested, she's like, you know what, go back to school. You know, take some classes. You know, it's and it's interesting having that perspective and experience of going back to school as an adult. Um, because I sure. never, I never would have uh, pegged myself for a a college going type of person. I mean, I'm I'm half a screwball, and you know, didn't <laughs> and and really, you know, kind of the 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 school experience wasn't something that I I fondly remember. So you know, going back was something that was a little intimidating. And but I I really took to it. There there's something about having perspective, experience, and kind of work ethics as an adult, and applying that to a uh, classroom environment it's actually like uh, really rewarding um but um, i imagine that being in class in that uh way is also annoying in some ways because you're in there with kids right and and those kids just aren't mature and you kind of roll your eyes at them and you think well you know i i, I like this is your perspective of what you think. <laughs> well, yeah. how i would be if it were me in that situation well, like i would be annoyed by the kids but at the same time you get more for you mm-hmm. the adult it's a more rewarding experience yeah, you it, get more out of it. You know, you're you're 100 percent right on that, Aaron, in that like, you know, I'm in um, I'm in classes with folks that are twice my age and half my age. And we're all in the same class together, you know, because it's community college. You know, it's just, you know, classes are in the morning, afternoon, at night, all over the all over the place. Um, so I uh, and I, I promise this is going somewhere. But like in in my <laughs> in my last quarter of my last class, I uh, I come out my classroom uh, one day and I see on the bulletin board be on the radio and it's got a got a picture of you know some uh, students doing DJ stuff you know somebody's got headphones on there's somebody talking into a microphone and I'm like wait a second our school has a radio station and and it had been there for uh, over 25 years uh, you know K- KGRG is kind that of like that poster? well no the, the radio station the poster had probably been there a week <laughs> Be somebody. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, so like uh, it, it just kind of took that spark of inspiration. I went home, talked to my wife about it, and she's like, you know what? While, uh, while you're out looking for a job, because you need to look for a job now that you're done with school, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, she's like, you know, just, just take a class. So I did. I signed up for the radio class and I got bit by the bug. And, um, you know, something I've said as I've returned uh, sense to uh, the class and and the program, I always tell the new students, you know, through that class, you can find a passion you didn't know you had. And that's what happened with mm-hmm. me. It's like I, I tell people, it's like, you know, whatever my degree is for, I'm not using it. I'm a broadcaster now and there's no going back. But then what happens? So does that mean you have two degrees? 
I do actually. Yeah, I, okay. I have I have an IT degree and I have a broadcasting degree, uh, both uh, both from uh, Green River. So so that's what happened. Like uh, you know, the job search turned into well, you know, I have to go on this remote. I have to go to this show. I have to go to this concert. We have like you know interviews set up and and the whole radio lifestyle just kind of drew me in. And now what it's done and and in fact it's it's kind of funny because my my whole. Uh, I guess persona, for lack of a better term, gets uh, gets really confusing and really murky because I I started at a college radio station and then I did what you're supposed to do in this program. I got myself an education, but then I got myself a jobby job. Um, I uh, I have a uh, behind the scenes position at a commercial radio station uh, here in Seattle, and so basically, like you know, I I I'm not a radio personality on the air. You know, I don't have my own show. I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but I work in professional radio. But then what I found is that I still had the itch. You know. Like as soon as my time at KGRG came to an end, you know, because like, you know, it was that choice of I can do radio for fun for free or I can do radio professionally and get paid for it. But I I was getting itchy not talking into a microphone. And one of the things that I did with with my uh, college radio show on KGRG was I uh, would record my episodes and load them up as podcasts. And so, like, if you go to my SoundCloud page, you can you can go back and listen to all of my old stuff from you know uh, two three years ago, and uh, you know it's it's a lot it's a lot different than kind of what I do now with Mike Seibert Radio. But my point being is like I had I I had paid out my uh, SoundCloud account through the end of the year, and I was like, well, I still have this feed. You know, I kind of want to keep podcasting and, and doing other stuff. And so basically, when I get off work, I reconfigure my board and I uh, record my podcast. And one of, the, one of the things I learned is that um, I'm, I'm not the only person in my building that has a podcast. In fact, I guess everybody has uh, has a podcast. <laughs> but the thing that's different, I've made things so murky, is like there's like no connectivity to what they do at work. Like you, you know, either through like what they do in their shows or or like even like uh, my boss, for example, has a stage name. He, he doesn't use his actual name during uh, the couple podcasts that he's a part mm-hmm. of. And I was never that smart. I never really uh, came up with like a stage name. The closest thing I came up with. Johnny Blaze. Yeah, exactly. See, it was just like, um, you know, one, one of the things that, that people do will they'll use like their their first and middle name as kind of like their DJ name. And and I don't especially like the sound of the combination of my first and middle name. So I don't want to use that. Uh, but no, I just. I, I've just uh, uh, the closest I came was like I was on a post rock show with uh, with a, a bunch of young emo college kids and I started calling myself Uncle Mike and that um, <laughs> that just sounds creepy it does sound terrible and it, it, it ended it ended quickly it was like I did I did that for a couple of weeks I'm like 
this was a terrible idea because these kids be I've half made a made. horrible mistake. It's exactly. It's if like, we could go back and start the podcast over, I feel like Aaron would definitely do a pseudonym because he is constantly terrified that he is going to be, I don't know, bombed or fired or something <laughs> terrible is going to happen because people can find out who he is. All right, moving on from that. <laughs> uh, so, so let's build your uh, Transformers credibility yeah, yeah, totally. up a little bit here. Why don't you, like, what, what is your relationship to Transformers? Well, I, I grew up with it. I'm, uh, you know, like we've uh, uh, talked about a couple weeks ago when you guys joined me on my show. Um, you know, we're we're about the same age. We're all kind of the same age. So I uh, I was a Transformers fan from day one. You know, got all the toys. Was super into uh, the cartoons. I was really into the Marvel comics. In fact, th- this may be apocryphal because I can't confirm it, but I would imagine that Marvel Trans. Transformers comics were probably some of the first comic books I bought. I think that was kind of my gateway into like Spider-Man and X-Men and things like that. Um, Yeah, it's amazing those licensed books, you know, that, you know, Marvel knew what they were doing. Like, you know, they had like a Thundercats book and, 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 you know, some other stuff, but, uh, but really, yeah, I was, I was hard and heavy into everything Transformers when I was a kid. And uh, when the movie came around, um, that, that was huge for me. I've, uh, I have said in other places and, and I'll say it here now for context, Transformers, the movie is my favorite movie of all time. It, uh, it just is. And for me, it's, it's not so much that I consider it the best movie. I mean, sure. There's, you know, there, there's a million other movies that are objectively better. In fact, arguably Transformers, the movie isn't, objectively especially good but that that doesn't really change my love for it because it it's a lot of it is um nostalgia based i i remember the entire summer leading up to the releases seeing all of the commercials and it's like you know two years in the making and you know a a, a rock and roll adventure in widescreen format and you know all the stingers at the end where it'd be like does prime die which is like so weird <laughs> Weird. Like what a weird. Yeah, is probably the answer. I mean, you've kind of given it away. Well, especially and, and, because they show him getting riddled with countless, countless laser blasts. Yeah. Does Prime die on, on the way to? The, yeah, as he's hitting the ground. So, uh, mm-hmm. well, and to reference your thing on uh, on quality. Yeah. Uh, I would I would say though. I mean, it may not be the best movie in the world, but mm. it certainly is the Citizen Kane of Transformers movies. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong okay. though. You're not wrong though. But uh but yeah, so so seeing it in the theater just uh just hit me and blew my hair back. It was the first movie that I went to go see by myself. I remember this oh. very vividly. My mom uh took me How to How old would you have been? Uh I was uh 7. So okay, I, I, I was I was seven. That's pretty young. For That's yeah. pretty young. It was a different time. <laughs> well, and especially for what we all know unfold after after the the house lights go down and that that particular movie right. starts. But um, but yeah, no, my mom dropped me off at at the theater, and it's kind of funny how uh, you know childhood memories go because I remember it as being like an empowering type thing. Oh, I'm going to the movies by myself. <laughs> Probably in truth, my mom just didn't want to deal with me for a couple hours. So <laughs> she but, went shopping, had a Cosmo, maybe. I, I, I would exactly, yeah, because like uh, it was 
at the uh, Majestic Bay Theater in Ballard, Washington, which is kind of like a a little kind of like um, uh, I, kind of like a fishing town. Kind of it's all hipster area now. Kind of like this uh, sub neighborhood of. Um, uh, Seattle, but it's, you know, everything is all like, you know, nautical themed. So like, I remember <laughs> I go into this theater and they had like, you know, like, uh, portholes on the theater door. Like it's you would weird. see, yeah. Like on a, on a, like a fishing boat and stuff. I mean, I There's just like fish netting on the wall. There's some like actual fish hanging from <laughs> Marlin. Yeah, you Marlin get heads. like a, you get like a, a delicious salmon at the concession stand. But no, I just, mm. I remember like my mom gave me enough money to where like I could get, um, a soda. I got a Dr. Pepper. I got a box of red vines and my popcorn. Wow. This is really vivid in your memory. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, man. I mean, again, this is part of the reason why it's it, it'll always be kind of like my favorite thing because I have just like, you know, I don't remember a whole lot from that time, but that that's just something that's really imprinted on me. And I just, I remember... Um, Going in, sitting down, being by myself. There was actually, I, I would say, it wasn't a packed house because obviously we know the movie was, you know, a huge uh, financial disappointment. But I mean, there, I remember there being people there, um, and right. and just, I mean, the house lights go down, and just that that first scene with Unicron coming around the nebula, and just the music, mm-hmm. you know, with just that Vince Tacola theme, and I'm just like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I really do. Like I said, I've never heard anything like that with the coughs and the, the, yeah. the chuffing. It's weird. And it was just like I'm just like, what is this? And does Prime die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it, it, you don't even realize that it's like you know a good seven minutes before you even see anybody recognizable. But you know, like the theme hits and all of that stuff. Um, I I remember being um you know because like i mean you hear the stories of people that were you know like the kid that supposedly locked himself in a closet for two weeks because prime died i remember at the time that prime's death didn't upset me because of the way that it was presented i think Mm. i may or may not have seen wrath of khan at that point so i think i had at least kind of like a tertiary um understanding of not just maybe not death but um, because I had probably seen Star Trek three at that point also, but sure. but at they least, always come back. Yeah, but but at least I understood the concept of heroic death. And yeah, so right. I knew what it was. But what I remember, though, is uh, the the shuttle scene. That's Ugh. what terrified the hell out of me. And and the thing yeah. I will not forget as long as I live is the first time you see Prowl's chest explode, his eyes turn uh, glowing orange, and that Thank smoke you. billows out yeah. of his mouth. Yeah. I mean, that that's yeah. I mean, every time I have conversations with people about Transformers the movie, they're like, oh, Optimus Prime, oh, Optimus Prime. I'm like, no, dude, it, it was freaking Prowl's death that I think, yeah. I think of yeah. all of the deaths in the movie is actually the most gruesome. Just because you see, uh, again, like, you know, his eyes change color and, and, and again, that, that acrid smoke is just, ugh. It's um, visceral. I mean, it yeah, on, I a trans- on a Transformers level, it's, yeah. it's, it's completely, completely Yeah, I mean, it, it, Caleb said this early on. It's like, if you imagine those were, peop- like, humans, like, it's 
horrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So, and I, and I remember later on, I was uh, one of the other commercials that, and this one is really, really hard to find, but there's a version of the TV spot that says, um, you have to see it twice to take it all in. And that and that was <laughs> oh, that's that, convenient. It's I mean, and so I remember. I mean, I mean, they knew what they were doing with the marketing yeah. of this movie. You know, it's like I need to buy the new toys. I'm on board with these new characters, and I told my mom, I'm like, well, you know, I I need to see it twice to take it all in. And sure enough, <laughs> and, I mean, what can I do? The, they the, told yeah. the perfect child. You just yeah, very trusting with marketing. It does like I remember it being a revelation to me, and I think this was in gifted, Aaron mm-hmm. Caleb, where um. Uh, uh, Mrs. G told us about it was like it was a, I don't know a unit on marketing or something and she said that whenever you read like a shampoo bottle it says rinse and repeat and she was like yeah because you sell twice as much shampoo I'm like what <laughs> they could just lie <laughs> just say whatever we talk about this every now and again why do you think whether it's the fandom or uh, for yourself personally mm. that this thing holds up three decades obviously there's the nostalgia but there's got to be something more well there there's a lot more to it um it's uh you know it, it's the first movie to introduce uh, celebrity voice casting or at least uh right up front front and center like i mm-hmm. even even at that age i knew who leonard nimoy was and i'm like whoa sure. leonard nimoy and so what it is it, it's it's the convergence of firsts and significance that this movie does. It's like, you know, it's uh, for a lot of people, this is kind of like their gateway into anime, you know, with the more sophisticated uh, animation style. Um, This movie is a lot of people's gateway into prog rock or synthesizer music, or maybe even uh, a metal to an extent, because this movie has Mm -hmm. all of that going on. You know, it's like, it's not just one thing that that this movie is it's all of the things you know between the voice casting the the uh, uh sophisticated and detailed animation uh the mature storytelling uh the the it really know. doesn't get that credit i mean you, you everything you just said when you think about mm-hmm. it like uh like it this is a very progressive movie in a lot of oh, ways yeah. it, it really mean, is not to not to cut you off mike no, but i i uh <laughs> my girlfriend and i watched the care bears movie last night yeah because that's a Saturday evening that I can get behind. Um, yeah. But like, uh, I was watching. I'm like, oh my god, this is garbage. Like, I, the animation is god awful. Yeah. The voice acting is terrible. At one point, the kid starts singing, and I'm like, I don't know. Is he the producer's kid? Because it's super <laughs> flat, and like, it's just the story is ridiculous. There's no characterization. Nothing mm-hmm. seems to happen for any particular reason. Right. And it's like, compa- I did think while I was watching that, like, wow, this is aimed at the same kind of audience, but it's like way, way less sophisticated than. I like credit to Wally Burr for yeah. the voice. I mean, the voice acting oh in one thing Transformers was like a strength. Of Absolutely. Theirs, yeah, know? that's and the thing. No matter as what much you of a hard ass about as it, he was. The voice acting is always on yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And yeah, I, I think it's it's all of those things. And for me, it will always be the, uh, uh, the meter stick, the measurement, the benchmark of any television to movie adaptation and mm-hmm. i mean like i'm i'm even like comparing that to like star trek movies i'm like you know mm-hmm. i remember going to see star trek generations in 1994 i'm like well it's no transformers the movie because <laughs> i mean because that was on the like that's on the poster <laughs> <laughs> there's your it's no quote. transformers the movie mike cyber <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah so- i mean 
I mean, any type of property, whether it be, you know, even like, you know, Pokemon or, you know, anything modern where you add the movie to it. And it just it, it all it's ever been is is an expanded episode, whereas Transformers the movie is its own mm-hmm. thing. It takes what Very you love, different. give you more of it and just turn it so far on its head that you're like, I don't even know what the fuck this is, but I kind of like it. But it worked. Right. Yeah. yeah, it worked. Right. Right. Well, did it, so- though? Because, I mean, <laughs> it was I mean, it was it was savaged by the critics and was a financial failure. I mean, it's like it cost, uh, I want to say, like six million million dollars to produce and made like one million dollars during its entire theatrical sure. run, I mean, which from a monetary <laughs> standpoint, I understand. <laughs> the I, I number one say, standpoint by which things are judged. I guess selfishly, it sure. worked for me. I really, I, as a piece of art I, you know, or commercial art anyway, is, or, or you could boil it down to just entertainment. Yeah. Sure, you know, yeah. I, I, but by every objective measure, a complete failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, so while we're talking about transformers, Mike, sure. I'd love to what, like uh, to give us a quick rundown. What, what would be fa- top Autobot, top Decepticon for you? Oh gosh. Um, uh, top, uh, top Decepticon for me would have to be Soundwave. I uh, do it a radio guy. It, exactly, Durr. and you know, and and it's funny because like in in my old age, uh, or you know, as my career has kind of developed, I've kind of warmed up on Blaster a bit. I was gonna say Blaster's I, your top Autobot. <laughs> I, I was I wasn't into Blaster growing up. I kind of like him okay, but Soundwave has always been uh, not just my favorite Transformer, not just my favorite uh, uh, Decepticon, but kind of one of my favorite characters in general because he's he's to me him and Destro are kind of like that prototypical yeah. like loyal <laughs> lieutenant and I always liked the number two guy just a little better because I yeah. always thought it's like Soundwave knows what's up you know and and even there's there's a there's kind of a piece of it in the movie where you know uh, Megatron says don't leave me and Soundwave's just like yeah sure whatever <laughs> You know, it's right. just because Which, he told uh, him to. I, since Soundwave is your favorite Decepticon, mm-hmm. how do you feel about his portrayal in this movie? Because we've said before, I think it's really awful. Like, I don't think the, the Soundwave of the show is portrayed in this movie. He's not really given anything no. to do. Yeah, I I can't disagree, but with a cast this big, I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. getting the short shrift. And I I feel like I get enough of the uh, the voice and the tapes and to get to, you know, kind of see what makes Soundwave Soundwave. Um, I think I get sure. enough of that. Because keep in mind, the Soundwave of the, the cartoon isn't the Soundwave of the comics. You know, Soundwave isn't necessarily especially ambitious. And I think when uh, they're vying for leadership on Astrotrain, you know, obviously, you know, the iconic line, you know, Soundwave superior. Cons- that that That's more of a slam on the Constructicons as it is mm-hmm. him kind of putting himself up there saying, "I," because he's not necessarily saying, I want to be the leader. He's just saying, he's I'm saying be- not you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm better than you. You, you know, because I mean, he's Soundwave, and you know, he's 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 got his own army that he carries with him at all times. And in the comics, I recollect that he had a little bit more. I don't know if devious is the right word, but a little bit more of being able to play both sides oh, as yeah. the Decepticon leadership would jump back and forth between Megatron and Shockwave or Ratbat or I can't pronounce his name, Jaxus upon Cybertron. Oh. Like he would, uh, he would kind of. Uh, 
play all sides uh, of it pretty well. He was mm-hmm. like more of a spy master than he is on the show. I'm, I'm right there with Mike. I, Soundwave is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I have and I have the original Soundwave. That was my first. This, that was like my first Transformer toy. Yeah. yeah, I have it right over there. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm right there with you, Mike. And, and and he's an awesome toy too. I mean, with those diecast yeah. legs and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, he's he's super super cool. I, yeah. I thought when I first bought him, I thought that they could actually play tapes. I was kind of bummed. you dummy. I know. <laughs> well, but, you, know, you know the uh, the Japanese version of the original uh, Soundwave. I don't remember if it's like a micro change or a diaclone or or whatever Soundwave yeah. was, but he comes with like a microphone and headphones. Also, oh wow, yeah. I think he is a micro change because he turns into an everyday sort of item. The micro change, like Megatron, was a micro change. Soundwave. Sorry, that's a little no, bit of a digression. Sure. Before we get into the main part of the show here, I right. just wanted to cover a couple other things with you. So, um, you recently did an episode that I particularly enjoyed, where you talked about Black Panther, which has quickly become okay. one of my favorite Marvel movies. Ah, but past Titanic. What's that? Just past Titanic. That's right. In terms of fi- so let's talk about movies that are financially successful. <laughs> yeah. <for right>. right. <laughs> um, so what are your you, – you talk a lot about Marvel movies. I also yeah. listened to an episode where you broke down Logan pretty well, and uh, that – which is a great movie. But what are oh, your man. top three Marvel movies? Man, you've – And why? You've gone deep, dude. I mean, I yeah. – uh, The B-side. We want to know you, Mike. Well, we want to know is, you. I, I'll be honest with you guys. This is kind of like a new experience for me because usually I'm on the other end of it saying like, oh, well, I like your show because of this. I like your music because of that. It's, it's kind of – Kind of weird, quite honestly, to kind of have that shoe on the other foot. But uh, oh well, forget it then. You can talk yeah, about us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still like to talk though. But I mean, okay. Uh, okay so, so are we talking MCU or are we talking just Marvel That's in up general? To you. Any any Marvel related, but it doesn't yep. have to be in the. It could be an X Men. It could whatever, be in the Sony Marvel. You may verse. interpret this question in whatever. Yeah. Whatever it like. strikes your immediate fancy. All right. Well, I'll I'll go uh, I'll go three different directions. Then I will go. So um, uh, my number three is uh, Spider-Man Two, um, because I think that's a good choice. that that's the I I think you take uh, a villain that's kind of schlubby in Doctor Octopus and you make him relatable and charming and all of that other stuff in his own. I mean, it, it's it, it's fat Alfred Molina with with robot arms, and yet you care about this guy, and it's it really speaks to um, I think in a what a lot of the other movies miss is why Peter Parker is Spider-Man and why he chooses to put on the costume and do what he does. You know, the, like the whole power and responsibility thing. And I think you see that in uh, the train sequence. You know, it's like where, you know, mm-hmm. he knows he's unmasked and all that other stuff. But, you know, he still has that obligation to do whatever he can, no matter the cost. And I, uh, I, I've i always liked that. And I don't think... I mean, I, I liked Spider-Man Homecoming okay. It, it's fine. I, I I could do without Spider-Man having a friggin' Iron Man suit, but that but that's neither here nor there. But um, is it? Because it, it is. seems like it is here and there. Because <laughs> you brought it up. Two, well, two, two is definitely the best of the Raimi trilogy, yeah. and I didn't actually sure. watch the Andrew Garfield ones. You're but, right. But but, uh, You're okay. and I, but I thought Homecoming was great as well. But yeah. two yeah. two is special. Spider-Man yeah, and, two and, and the Raimi, and we're huge Raimi fans over here. Yeah. By the way. Oh yeah, totally. It's I, true. Yeah, so what's it, number two? Uh, Logan. 
Oh, that is that. That was a fantastic. Oh song. yeah, yeah. Because, so beautiful. Because so such a great cap. To, noir, to but like yeah, Hugh Jackman. Happy, yeah. happy movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, very, very and happy. and the thing that I've said about this is that you know Logan gives you something that we have never seen in a superhero franchise or superhero movie before, an ending. And and a pretty yeah. damn satisfying one, and you know it's haunting and it's it's brutal, it's violent, it's beautiful, and you know we haven't seen this. Uh, I, I think the closest thing we have now is uh, you know the the current staple of MCU people. You know maybe uh, uh, RDJ is Iron Man, Chris Evans is Captain America, but but nobody else can match Hugh Jackman's record of being Wolverine for 17 years. Oh, yeah. Nice. And, and you say it, when you put it that way, it makes me feel really If cold. you go back and watch the first, like, two X-Men movies, you're uh, like, wow, he's really small. Yeah. Like, compared to how ripped he is later, like, it's yeah. it's amazing. But, like, yeah, it's also, uh, in addition to Deadpool, it's, an exa- like, an example of, like, yes, R-rated superhero movies work. Like, Absolutely. You, R-rated movies are valid. Like, why did we ever get away from this? Right, and and I part of me still hopes that just based upon the success of Logan and Deadpool, that I just hope we don't see a wave of R-rated superhero movies just for the yeah. sake of it. I mean, for like the, the sake of it, right? Yeah, I'm sure we will. These have been, yeah, we will. Right, we will. But the, those were done right. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, like you know, for example, you have like that that extended cut of Batman v Superman: Colon Dawn of the Rise of the of the Justice Carnival or whatever the fuck. That is, and, uh, and and yeah, it's like ooh, it's yeah. grim, I mean, it's dark, it's R-rated, ooh, it's like, and you absolutely. can keep all that. Yeah, shit. I mean, don't get me wrong, I actually would, I actually prefer the the MCU, like the Avengers, being PG thirteen. I don't think R would work yeah, with that. I agree, right? But like with Wolverine and Deadpool, especially, that's all. I mean, the books are about murder. There's a place yeah. for everything. I, I I think that it, depending on where the where the story is going and, and what you want to express, mm-hmm. you know, put it in the put it in the right Hole. Put it in the right hole, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that takes us to number one. All right. <laughs> yeah, because we, we got to get moving. We got stuff to do, man. But no, yeah. this is awesome. This is really good. And uh, my, my number one has got to be Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It, it, mm-hmm. is, it is the dark night of the MCU. Um, you know, it's, it's a crackling spy thriller cleverly disguised as a superhero movie. It's sure. you know it it's you know there's there's intrigue there's born esque aspects absolutely to it, and I still like the hair still stands up on my arm with that that first fight between Captain America and the Winter Soldier where he does like the knife flip and I uh because like the, it's all uh kind of born esque kind of blurry uh uh fast action kind of close quarters melee combat but uh, Winter Soldier is doing this thing where he's like trying to slash at him at a at with a knife. But he like tosses it up in the air and catches it with his other hand, and he does it like a couple times. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's really really cool. Um, there there's some problems with that. Like I I I don't know how excited I am about like you know some of the Nick Fury stuff, especially like his uh, lightsaber that can uh, uh, cut through. Um, uh, oh, I concrete. forgot about that. Yeah, that's that that's a little that's a yeah, little. It's like jangly. a reference, a wink, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to do that, at least make it purple, 
You know, I mean, right. if you're going to do it, then just fucking do it. And, and it's funny because, like, even though I kind of put that at my top, it's probably one of the Marvel movies that I've seen the least, uh, just mm. uh, just by coincidence. It's like, you know, I've I've watched Guardians of the Galaxy far more times or oh, yeah. like, you know, uh, the first Avengers, you know, a handful more times because it's it's a great movie. But that's a tough watch, though. Yeah. yeah it's, and, there's it's not funny. a lot of humor. It's in a it downer. At all. Yeah. It's, but it's like but in a good like. Sometimes I think there's too much humor in some movies. Like, not. I feel yeah. like the MCU gets it pretty right. I feel like in some of the Star Wars movies, there's a little bit too much humor. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I, I like that one. But it's not like it's not like Avengers, where after I'm done, I'm like, God, that felt good. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you know, you're and you know what that first Avengers movie is probably even even with its problems with the, you know, especially like the Loki Pokey stick, it's like you're a bad guy oh, yeah. now. You're a bad guy now. Uh but I mean that's still I mean, who would have thought when we were kids that we would get all no. of the Marvel superheroes, you know, the B level Marvel superheroes. We're not talking the Avengers. I mean, I'm sorry, we're not we're not talking Spider Man, the X Men, Fantastic Four. You know, we're we're getting what really. I mean, when we were growing up, the the Avengers were kind of like the B level people, and mm-hmm. to see that is kind of like the the measurement of what all of these. Uh, I mean, if you had told me 20 years ago that they would make a movie about the Justice League. And it would suck ass and be unfavorably compared to an Avengers movie. I probably right. would have slapped the taste out of your mouth because oh, you're right. Right. that just sounds absurd, right? I mean, it's the Justice League for Christ's sake. I mean, you got you got Batman, you got Superman, you got Wonder Woman, you got Green Lantern, but not in that movie. It um, is an example got- of like um, with the MCU. They surpassed expectations and succeeded in spite of like limitations. Whereas yeah, well. the Jace, like the the Justice League, had everything. Like it's all there. How do you fail? I, they found a way. Yeah, it's all about it's, it's good. It's good creativity. It's good writing. It's, a, it's characterization it's and like, writing and caring about the material. I think it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like people that are talking about uh, like an, an, an animated movie from their childhood, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> like, oh, like 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 Transformers the movie. You think it's, it's like it's like people to, like yeah. It's about people like talking about a movie from that time and and turning it into something entertaining. <laughs> so speaking of uh, wow. writers and creators. I'm I'm going to use that as a point to transition for just a second Okay. before right. we hop into the main body of this episode. <laughs> I actually have a million questions I was wanting to ask you about indie sure. rock, and uh, I was going to ask you about DJ, DJ Khaled, but I'm going to try and keep it nerd-centric for a minute and <laughs> say just one. to follow, follow up on that. Uh, late last year, you also talked about your best and worst Stan Lee cameos oh, in okay. a Marvel movie. I believe you rated the Stan Watchers scene from Guardians of the <laughs> Galaxy 2 as among the top and the yes. barber stand from Thor Ragnarok as the worst. And I think that's a good estimation. But yeah. you didn't mention, and for good reason, because it's I think you were only covering Marvel movies, mm-hmm. you didn't mention uh my favorite Stanley cameo, which is in the movie Mall Rats. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's funny, it was in my notes and I did drop it for exactly that reason because I everything else that I covered, because like you know, he shows up in X-Men movies and in Spider-Man movies, so not just MC you uh but yeah that one was enough of a 
I'm like, ah, and, and this episode's already going super long. Okay, fine, I won't talk about it. because I I would have just slipped into this whole uh, Kevin Smith, uh, sure. you know, influence mm-hmm. type thing because I mean, I mean, I mean, we uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were on my show, you know, we kind of talked about Clerks a little bit, but yep. you know, Mallrats took what Clerks was and pushed it that much further. It's like you know, right. so we go from making you know uh, Star Wars jokes to now we're talking about Mr. Fantastic's dick yeah. and and you know right. yes. you know how uh, you know sex with the invisible woman and like you know much like you know the Star Wars stuff you know the comic book stuff it's all it's all stuff we've all thought and mm-hmm. you know Kevin Smith put it all up on the screen and you know he was probably amongst the first to do that that type of you know referential humor that we can't seem to get away from now but you know um yeah, I mean, think I mean, about it. If he had an orgasm, he'd shoot like a shotgun through her back. The only way they could fuck is with a kryptonite condom. Thanks, that would kill her. And that would kill her. <laughs> so, so I, I, I bring that up also to, uh, to. I'm trying to nardwire you here. Do you know who okay. nardwire is by any chance? I, I don't know what that is. First, okay, I'll send you some links. Okay. You need to, All you, right. Very you need to look up Nardwar videos. He is a music interviewer from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, oh. and he gives the most amazing interviews to musicians. But at any rate, so um, probably learn speaking of Mallrats, <laughs> yeah. you recently uh, met Kevin Smith. So I did. Take a couple minutes. Juxtapose your experience of meeting. Uh, talk about your experience of meeting Kevin Smith. And wow. also then juxtapose it. Uh, with your experience of meeting William Shatner, because these are two of Ryan Jett's heroes. Well, I yeah. thought you were going to say and- the meeting us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So okay. these, these are two of Ryan Jett's heroes, That's and I, w- I would love to have for our for our listeners recount those stories. All right. He always tells the story about the SeaTac Mall, and like he had an uncle that lived in Federal Way, and he would talk about going to the SeaTac Mall on kind of like his last stop before he went to film school in Vancouver. So whenever mm-hmm. he comes to the Pacific Northwest, he always kind of tells the the SeaTac Mall story. And I'm like, I live a mile from there. I drive past that every day. Uh, but anyway, so so uh, he was in town, played a bunch of shows, but he was doing a signing at a, a local independent comic shop. This was kind of like, you know, a hole in the wall. And, and you know, since we're, since we're talking, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, that's uh, Destiny City Comics in Tacoma. Uh, because, I mean, they put together a really really good event they you know they um you know they they charged a a price for it which was ridiculously reasonable i think it was just kind of more a crowd control uh type of thing you know rather than just making it free for all um but basically like you know um, instead of having like an item limit to get signed, it was uh, by time. So you had sixty mm. seconds with them. So you could you could bring like you know you know your stack of comics, um, and and it's funny because like you know sixty seconds doesn't sound like a lot, right? It's like oh my god, a, a minute? That's all? I swear by the time I got done, because I I brought um, a bunch of uh, comics that he had written, like his uh, Daredevil stuff, his Green Arrow stuff, uh, Spider Man. Um, as well as uh, uh, Clerks and Jay and Silent Bob comics. So by the time I had him sign my books and talking to him for a hot second, I, I swear I left with still time on the clock. Because wow. um, I mean, it was just you know I you know I got a got a picture with him, and it was um, he he's 
one of the uh, most warm and genuine people I think I've met because, um, I, you know, I roll up to him and, you know, I don't know, maybe this is the adult in me. But whenever I roll up to meet somebody, I extend my hand and say, hey, I'm Mike. And he's like, right. he's like, Kevin, how, how you doing? You know, gives gives me a really good handshake. And we uh, um, I, I told him, I go, one of my goals in being here would be just to look you in the eye and say thank you for influencing so much of what I do, uh, because, you know, that there's I, I couldn't. Uh, quantify or calculate all of the different ways I've been influenced by Kevin Smith. I mean, obviously podcasting here, but you know, other stuff as well, just, you know, like my, you know, it informs my sense of humor. It informs my sensibilities. And I just wanted to thank him for that. And he's like, Thank you, man. That that's that that's that's. I mean, it was almost like. I mean, go back to Mallrats. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go back to Clerks. It's almost like that's beautiful, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was there there was a lot of that. He and you know he he gets very warm and genuine about stuff. And we just kind of uh, talked about podcasting for a few minutes. And he tells me that he's continually blown away by. Uh, people sharing with him like what episodes they're on you know it's like oh i'm on episode five on on episode Mm -hmm. 500 i'm on episode 100 he's like and it's great and and yeah i just uh you know i kind of had this internal clock in my head going and he was almost i don't know if this is rude or not but like you know um he was almost kind of like in mid-sentence and then i kind of do the (laughs) lean i kind of throw my arm over him and kind of guide him a little bit towards where the the uh guy was taking pictures um and got my couple pictures and and again like i said i've got like this internal clock going i'm like okay well you know what it's it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much i really appreciate you signing my books shook his hand and left and again presumably you're like geez that guy was clingy (laughs) (laughs) exactly so i mean and and i just i i walked out of that store feeling like i was 10 years old i mean i could just feel it in my chest just that 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 beaming feeling and i was just like that was so cool. All in that Kevin Smith afterglow. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've heard he's really he's always made a, a point to be really nice to fans and to be just a nice person in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like I saw that you have a picture of that on your Twitter of, mm-hmm. of you and, and Kevin Smith, and I, I I'm glad Aaron asked that because I was curious as to how that happened as well. But yeah, I I mean, he just he just seems like a genuinely nice person. <laughs> Mr. Shatner, on the other hand, <laughs> is um, see. How- this is why I don't want to meet my heroes. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? Up and and I talked about this uh, on that episode. It really is up until I had that experience with uh, uh, Kevin Smith. I was team don't meet your heroes because yes. he came to a local comic convention uh, here in Seattle and. It was one of those things where it's like you have to like pay your money separately and then get into like a separate line. So this this set me back. Uh, let let's say significantly more money than it did for Kevin Smith. You know, you you uh, pay your money, you grab which uh, glossy photos you want, and you go into another line. It took forever for some weird reason, given how the story ends. But you hand you hand your uh, things to a handler. Okay. The handler then passes it across the table to Mr. Shatner. Then you walk over and Mr. Shatner autographs your items. Meanwhile, you are staring at the top of his head. 
Okay. And um, I'm like, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Shanner, I've, you know, I've, uh, you know, huge fan. Uh, you know, uh, your portrayal of Captain Kirk is, you know, one one of, you know, like uh, my favorite characters, and has meant so much to me. You know, kind of like a a a truncated version of my thing with Kevin Smith, where I just wanted mm-hmm. to look him in the eye and thank him, uh, because mm-hmm. I mean, Captain Kirk is a very important character to me. You know, he's, sure. you know, almost kind of like that, you know, uh, optimistic. Prime type archetype yeah. where it's just you know it's a yeah. a purely heroic uh, swashbuckling Mythic. hero a- absolutely and and yeah he he didn't look up um, didn't shake my hand I asked him if he could personalize the autographs he said no okay and um, <laughs> and then just kind of sent me on my way and and so as a last gasp I'm already disappointed at this point. And he was on a show called uh, Boston Legal at the time. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Yeah. But so he It's played, a great show. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. In fact, I'm totally due for a rewatch. I think enough time has passed where I can I can go back to it now. But I asked him, I go, well, so, you know, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people here that are they're fans of your uh, they're fans of uh, Denny Crane. So can we, you know, get a a Denny Crane for the uh, the the crowd? And he's like, we don't do that. He said, he said it as a we. He said, we don't do that. Again, as he oh. is staring at the table. And at this point. Oh, he never looks at you. Yeah, ne- never made eye contact. I, I, got to, I got to see the top of his head. And oh. I, I tell you what, I could not <sighs> discern whether that is a rug or not. Because I, I, got a, I got a good look at it. I think it's a famous rug. It is. It is. I, 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 I mean, he probably you know, has a really nice one. Yeah. You know, I, that's a shame. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I still will say as a, I will say I, I, I love his work. It's too sure. bad it has to be like that. At least yeah. at that, it's that situation. Maybe it was a bad day. I don't know. I like uh, to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. Also, took... that's why I'm just like, I just don't want to meet anybody. Yeah. I think it... I've heard he's notorious for that as well. See, and that was like, the thing. Like, like behavior. I, I talked to my wife about that and she's like, but I thought he had a reputation of being difficult and prickly and stuff. <laughs> she almost kind of gave me like the, what else did you expect yeah, she's steel. like, hey, that's your fault, asshole. Yeah, which for getting I, your hopes up. Which I did not need at that point because I was <laughs> like, I mean, I'm a grown ass man, but I was devastated. Like, like you know, it's it's the inverse of the Kevin Smith story. Is beaming and is you know the afterglow as that was. I was crushed. Like I, eighty-five bucks or left, whatever it was. So you left this situation as a devastated ten-year-old, right? You know, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I felt like Ralph w- Wiggum bending his Wookiees. Like I bent my Wookiee. <laughs> well, let me ask you this though: You were in a long line, I presume. Did you see the look sort of, of shattered yeah, disappointment? the attitude of the line as it progressed, and it's almost like you saw your future of depression sort of getting closer to you as the minutes went by. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because either one, I didn't pay close enough attention because he he's signing all kinds of stuff. Like somebody had like like a, a a a Starship Enterprise that he was signing, and I've seen like all kinds of like memorabilia going through there. So I didn't really pay close enough attention to. I, I was watching more what people were bringing. More so than what, um, what, uh, um, how he was doing. Plus, like I mentioned, line buddies earlier. I was, you know, I was, I was making friends. So I, I was more fixated on what 
you know, the conversations the I was having. Yeah. And you're a man of the people, Mike. You were, <laughs> you were a man of the people. You were talking. If anybody's people. making line buddies. That's right. It's Mike Sibes. Over right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it, man. It's actually one of my favorite things about going to like Comic Cons and things like that is. We, we have to go. Yeah. Guys, we have to I've go. never been to a con. I've never I been haven't either. We, no. It's a constant. Let's go to TFCon Chicago, I, man. I know. We, it's, I know. It's just a matter of coughing up the funds and, yeah. and dealing with the family. Yeah. Well, so, well, maybe uh, you can host so, a panel there. Uh, host a panel at TFCon. Honestly, Come on, I, man. I would, I think it would be awesome. For the well, Auto the, I mean, I think TFCon Chicago is in uh, a few months, I think. I can't oh. remember. It would be awesome. I, you know, all we would have to do is reach out and either get a yes or no. But I think sure. doing a live show would be a lot of fun. Honestly. Let's reach out. Let's reach out. If we get a yes, I, that's justified. I'll bring the kids along. They'll love it. <laughs> that's, I'm sure they will. They'll. Uh, Ryan's not going to be edited. No, oh god. Mm. <laughs> right on, right but, not so those are great stories. I uh, I will say that I've only been in line for I well actually I'm sorry, I've never been in line to meet anybody famous. I've I've seen but I have in Las Vegas, I had some time to kill. This was this was a few like years ago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had some time to go to kill and I was walking through Caesar's Palace and the kind of the shopping district on the inside of that. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a sports and Hollywood memorabilia store. And I just go in there to see like some of the memorabilia that's in there. And uh, I go in and I realize that Pete Rose He's always in there. Pete Rose is sitting at a table oh my God. by himself, just always sitting there to sign and do whatever uh, for like a hundred dollars a pop or something like that. Oh my and, God. and I, I, what I do recall is I think you had to sign like he had stuff for sale. He would only yep. sign stuff that you bought, you bought. from him. Yep. And uh, and I just remember feeling like, oh man, this is really sad because it's not like there was a line out the door like to meet Shatner it's or Kevin Smith. It's because he's always there like he's basically employed i guess by this, <laughs> by this memorabilia store and it was just really weird i'm just walking around the store trying to see like you know little movie props or but you, you know, keep like, catching him out like the side of your posters, but he's always just there in the corner right just sitting at this table looking depressing and grumpy cool. and, and and pete rosie and i just felt like <laughs> oh man like i, I mean i'm sh- like pete i mean pete rose is in his position because of pete rose but 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 like it, it just i don't know i felt really weird about it that's my sure. only experience my, seeing a celebrity at a table my, signing my stuff. celebrity story is nothing real it's not like that at all but <laughs> i just i thought i'd bring it up since it reminded me i went to i went to london i went to westminster abbey and i'm standing there at the in westminster abbey and we're like sitting around looking at uh like the in the in the in the floor of westminster they've got like famous people are buried in the floor of mm-hmm. westminster or they have a or they have a you can pee on them and so we. Yeah, I, I usually just, Thanks for the pity laugh for him. Just Mike. Walks over Mike, I usually just talk right through that. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm in there and we see like the main doors of Westminster mm-hmm. open and, and people are coming through it. And that's normally the exit door. So, uh-huh. but anyway, we were like looking at all these famous people uh, on the floor. And we're like, we're standing around the Winston Churchill one. Mm-hmm. And uh, these people walk up and. Uh, and uh, I, I look up and like from me to you, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, this is the late '90s, uh, but it's Bill Clinton. What? Oh, what? Yeah. How have I never heard this story? Yeah. You and could so, say it's the late '90s or today. That's still yeah, an amazing like guess. So, so, so but it is Bill, more relevant. Wait, is 90s. he still president? Uh, <laughs> no, not in the late no, '90s. No, no, he's it's it. Well, it's it. It's How post. Late? It's post-presidency. Okay. okay. It's post-presidency. Hey there, Caleb. However, <laughs> the one that's great to meet you. Yeah, well, I should have. I mean, nice I should have been that we're from the – what did you say, Mike? It's a nice dress you got there. 
Yeah. <laughs> touch my saxophone. Got a well, cigar goes, for you. Come over here, boy. Have a cigar. You go and go far. <laughs> my blue dress. Pink Floyd reference. I know, right? <laughs> well, we're standing there, and we're standing on these, uh, you know, kind of looking around the, these, these, uh, basically people that are buried in the floor or whatever. They have a, a plaque in the floor. And he go, the one thing he's, and I looked at it, and I immediately, I should have said something. I didn't. But the one thing I remember him saying is he, as uh, he said, he goes, he goes. So you mean we're just standing on them? <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! I should have said something like, you know, hey, I'm I'm a Missouri guy. I know you're from Arkansas. I'm here from the United States. I I just I just I was. You should have been like, let me smell your fingers. Yeah, no, yeah, right. Yeah, I, if only you were there with me. I know. So anyway, there's there's my. I wouldn't say uh, I was standing in line, but that's that that's my. Uh, standing next to a famous person's story. So uh, sorry, I, well, this is one of our. This is a classic APDC tangent. Circle R. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the I, since we're talking about celebrity sightings, I did have one. I don't oh, think I told you guys you about, told this. about you. I think you talked about it. Did I on the, in New York? My no, oh, no, this is different. Mm. New oh, uh, you're thinking sighting. of my Killer Mike celebrity sighting. No, no, this is uh, this is uh, <laughs> in New York City. You guys will like this. So we were staying in Brooklyn at a hotel called the William Vale, which is a super trendy hotel, yeah. and it's a place where people have events. And there was an event. Uh, while I was there for a show that I should look up the name of. It's whatever Tracy Morgan's new show is. Do you know what the name oh, of that show is? Uh, it's like Back the, in the Hood or something. No, like it's oh, oh, no. It's, <laughs> it's something like that. that oh, it, so you mean his new one? The one on like TBS or whatever the hell? Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. uh, The Last OG. The Last, the last OG. Yeah, That's okay. close. Edit all that out. Nope. Back in the Hood, you racist. <laughs> oh, shut up. He's, so, he's making it so, seem uh, like any of this is that, getting into the episode, BT Dubs. And that might, and that might be the, the, the premise of the show, actually, of being back in the hood. But anyway. It is. So, That's why I thought that. So, so uh, at any rate, uh, I'm there on work, and our team is having a meeting in kind of one of these meeting rooms in the hotel. And as we come out, there's like we, – we go in the room, we have our meeting for an hour, and we come out, and there's this whole like red carpet setup. In the like, right in the kind of vestibule area, or the eight, we're more of an atrium area where we were. It's like that whole kind of Hollywood backdrop of like the logo of the show and all that kind of stuff, and then the red carpet. And there's there's a there's um it's corded off, and there's people, camera people, and and everything. At any rate, we left, and I was like, oh, I bet you Tracy Morgan's gonna be here, and but that's <laughs> this is probably like a little premiere party for that show. So we left. We had dinner and all that kind of stuff. We end up coming back to the hotel later, and we're having drinks in the bar of the hotel. And we go outside for a second, and as we're there, uh, Tracy Morgan walks right by us. Okay. And uh, a gal that is with us, uh, mm -hmm. his, her, she doesn't even actually recognize that it's Tracy Morgan for a second, but he is wearing this outlandish gold chain. <laughs> and uh, it, there, he has a very beautiful woman with him, and they are walking their way to like this, uh, I don't know if it was a Ferrari or Lamborghini that was parked out front, some fancy, very expensive car. And she yells out, she yells out, I love you, Chain. And he's like, thank you, baby. <laughs> and, uh, hops in the car. And uh, he's there for like 20 minutes. And wait, wait, wait. Um, he's, he's in the car for 20 yeah, minutes? Yeah, yeah. He, oh, it's God. like he hopped in the car. He didn't pull oh, out. So he we're was all, definitely oh, getting not, a blowjob. <laughs> well, no, no. There was like a ton of people just standing around. Yeah, because he's like, getting a blowjob. Like, yeah, was, so much was, the better. <laughs> yeah. And so... Yeah. Uh, at any rate, we come to find out, yes, his premiere party was there, and they were throwing a party 
on the top level of the hotel, which is typically open to the public, and it has a great view of Manhattan. It's got a like it's got an amazing view, and we'd spent several nights going up there for kind of nightcap drinks. But apparently that night they had rented it out, and Busta Rhymes was up there Holy performing, no performing the private party. So uh, me and another and a, and a couple other guys who are sitting out here with this group of people that are like just staring at this. We can't even see Tracy Morgan at this point. We're just staring at the car that we know Tracy Morgan is in. We're like, well, let's go see if there's if we can sneak into that party, right? Yeah. And so we go and hop in the elevator. That's exciting. We take it all the way to the top, and uh, and we get out, and we we start to walk the hallway to, that leads to that sort of bar, and uh, it's quiet. Like you could tell, like the party's over, right? It's it's kind of done, and so we're kind of like, uh, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, I guess it's over, and and uh, like, we'll just turn around and yeah, 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 one in that uh, uh, we realize that the party's over. They're kind of courting off the entrance to the main bar. So we turn around and there's like a table with a box of sandwiches <laughs> and they're all still there. And I'm like, oh man, had, I bet they had some pretty good sandwiches at a party like this. Oh my God. And, and, and coming out from around that hallway that just got courted off and you may or may not know who this is, but he goes, they were pretty good sandwiches was a very, I, I would consider him to be famous uh, music journalist. I'm going to mispronounce his name, Torre. Terrain? Are you familiar with him? Nope. He's you, he not even you a little. Would, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, you would recognize that he's mostly a hip hop journalist. Okay. But he he's been on MTV forever. Uh, uh, VH1, like any team time you need a go-to sure. guy that knows anything so about hip hop, they bring the him in, and he, he validated the sandwiches. Got in the elevator with us. I had a conversation with him. I was like, Oh man, I, I wish you would have grabbed the sandwiches. I, I was. <laughs> I thought I was, that's where this was going. I was like, yeah. I was like, Yeah, we were coming up here to see Busta Rhymes, and Torre was like, uh, Yeah, Busta Rhymes puts on a really good show, and I was like, I bet you've probably seen Busta Rhymes several times. He's like, Yeah, I have, and I'm like, But I know who you are. You're Torre, and he's like, Yeah, blah blah. And blah. that's when. Love, like, what, love what you do, whatever, whatever. We got to the bottom floor and parted ways, and he was a perfect gentleman. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but but like, if, 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 like he's like a kind of a celebrity. I would call him a celebrity rock journalist. People know who he well, is. Well, to that I in the Hunter S. Thompson of 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 sure. hip hop, although he doesn't really write like that on right. drugs and stuff. Well, but. to that I say, woo ha. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so great. you guys, it's time that's for great. the last. It's time to recap the last episode All real right. quick. And let me. Uh, Ryan's probably like, I actually had a dinner date or something like that. Um, <laughs> Well, it's over now, motherfucker. <laughs> Call West up and tell her she's eaten by herself. Mac and cheese. Oh, man. So, so last episode, uh, we had uh, Ultra Magnus' plan of drawing the Decepticons away from the shuttle was a total disaster. Almost immediately fell apart. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I guess not his fault. No. But still funny to witness. Uh, <laughs> Daniel is one, was once again left in a dangerous position as Blur and RC abandoned him to a hail of gunfire. Mm -hmm. uh, we learned that Daniel can transform. That was that important. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, that was. It was stuff. actually because, like I said last episode, he's becoming effectual. Like something he's actually starting to do things now where I don't hate him anymore. Right, right. He's contributing to the. He's adding value. Mm -hmm. And we ended the minute with the Decepticons bulldogging the Autobots from above. So as we opened up on. Uh, 5701, we see um, Ultra Magnus and Perceptor. They're firing into the sky, taking shots. Perceptor even gets knocked down by some of them. Mm -hmm. And Ultra Magnus commands the crew to find some cover because, you know, he's got this. He's got. He's going to unleash the power of the Matrix, man. 
It's <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like like you said a couple like several episodes before Aaron uh, unleash the power of the matrix. I mean, it seems to be again treating it like a Swiss army knife. Right. Like it, it's just like well, any situation that's even a little bit of pushback will open the matrix. And you, I just imagine a spectral Optimus Prime, like, just facepalming. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I'm surprised that he didn't whip that shit out when Cup and Hot Rod bought it. So I, I think when he tells Springer that he can't deal with it, it's because he's working some controls and just can't, like, open up his chest open cavity. His chest. <laughs> he's like, I can't deal with this now. I can't I can't reach. <laughs> because, I yeah, like I mean, he's such he, a boob. <laughs> I feel like it, like with that he he should have just opened up the matrix before they left Earth whenever they were getting attacked down there. I'll use the power of the matrix to keep the Decepticons away. Well, he yeah. says that too. He's like, you know, back on Earth, and I and don't mean to backpedal too much, but he's like, maybe the matrix could stop it. I mean, because like exactly. he establishes that shit like from jump. Like as soon as he gets it, he's like, this is pretty cool. I have no idea what it does, but I bet you it does everything. <laughs> It's like when you've got a hammer, all of your problems are nails. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But I, uh, It's like when you're backed into a corner, all of your answers are aphorisms. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I, I tell you, I, I really like the music here. You know, like it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like a variation of kind of like the uh, Battle of Autobot City type of thing. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like it ties, kind of tries to tie in that same sense of dread. I don't think it quite does it, but I, 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 I could see what it's kind of trying to invoke at least. We don't do a good enough job of breaking down the the minute like the, or each of the Vince Dicola tracks. Yeah. We, tend, we do tend to get into the uh, the sort of more band soundtracky type things, but yeah. yeah, the like the the music on this part is great. We we talk a little bit about uh, a couple episodes ago the wheel the wheelie segment. Oh, one of the yeah. creepier that I'd never noticed before. Creepier so musical weird. segments yeah. I'd ever. I've listened to like there's this like I don't even know how to describe it. It sounds it's like the musical equivalent of a pile of crawling maggots. It's, well, it's that's like good. It's, no, that's good. It's it's a really it sounds strange sequence. Kind of like um video game like eight bit like chaotic yeah. weirdness like but but especially in your headphones too it's like you know you kind of mm-hmm. like hear that trilling and it's just like ooh yeah you know it's yeah, like absolutely. some Rathacon stuff there. Although I, I think we can also uh, cut Ultra Magus some slack, as I've mentioned, he has had leadership of the Autobots for a uh, day. I right. cut him no slack. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, been a very stressful day. Yeah. So, well, the crew uh, kind of gathers in sort of a junk cave here, and, <laughs> which Ultra Magnus then fires upon <laughs> to kind of seal the entrance and protect them. They all say till all are one, mm-hmm. and in unison, and Ultra Magnus kind of turns to face the threat and says. Till all are so they one. Think, they so, think that's their big moment. Yeah. Like, well, no, I don't think so. I, th- I mean, I think that they're just trying to create a vibe of positivity. I think as Ultra Magnus turns around, the way he delivers the line almost feels hopeless. Like, like he realizes he's just yeah. about to die, and all he's doing is granting some sort of. Uh, sanctuary for his team. I just mm-hmm. think that they should have said that. There's, there's been plenty of opportunity for them to do that before, like when they're crashing. Or <laughs> actually, every time I see the Autobots, it is true. They, they haven't really called be, back on that line as much. They nah. should be just saying that. Every, 
all the time. So, so you think it should be like their Yo Joe, basically? You know, like Yo Joe, tell Holler one. I mean, it's a a little clunky for for that, but uh, but yeah, I mean, no, um, awesome hero shot of Ultra Magnus at like like fifty seven oh nine there, where he like turns around. It's it's pretty heroic looking. Um, and, and I think jump he does over the pile of junk is yeah. pretty cool. Look, he's <laughs> got a very neat. athletic sort of acrobatic jump, uh, stylized leap, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think all of his friends earlier were just kind of grateful that they weren't crushed by all of like the junk they just kind of <laughs> haphazardly blasts away. Because <laughs> right. I mean, they're just yeah, kind of the like structural on... integrity of this planet. I don't know. Yeah. And but, I don't know if you guys heard it as we were listening to it earlier, mm-hmm. but uh, Nelson Shin actually snuck in a little lightsaber sound effect in nope. this in this yeah. sequence. Like it's like the 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 lightsaber opening up sound effect was the sound of some of the the lasers. Yeah, it's like one of the one of the blast hits. It. Yeah, it's like a blast yeah. hit on the surface. It's like. Pshh. Yeah, well, yeah, there are a lot of lightsaber sounds in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he had access to the hard drive mm, of sound took effects. the tapes. <laughs> but, so, um, you know, Cyclonus, at this point, we're at right around 5715. He's closed off, which, by the way, 5712 is a great heroic angle. The bottom-up shot like, of him. Yeah, there's, there's a bottom-up shot of, yeah, of Ultra Magnus. He looks, like, and, and also just the the shading. Like the, yes. Mm-hmm. The, there's a lot of darks along with some mid-tones and some mm-hmm. bright yes. tones. It looks like he's standing in a sunset, the sunset of his doom, That's perhaps. Right. Uh, but uh, so he turns to face the uh, the impending threat. Mm. And um, at that point, we have a, a, a very, if not wonderfully illustrated shot, still a very cool and dynamic yeah. shot. It's freaking cool. It's freaking yeah. cool. So diving close to the ground, sort of you know, swooping parallel to the ground, then back way up into the sky. And at this point, Galvatron ex- ejects himself, does some very gymnastical yep. uh, moves on the way down, and and, and Cyclonus kind of does the same thing and transforms and, and lands at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like how they kind of like avoid the question of the mass shifting because it's like, mm-hmm. is is Cyclonus the size of Galvatron? Does Galvatron shrink down to fit in Cyclonus? When when Cyclonus goes that high I up into the air you know i know i I, little teeny tiny galvatron it's like hey who else will fill those shoes i want the matrix (laughs) but no i i I like it's a really cool cheat where they just kind of go out of frame a little bit and they both just kind of reappear uh normal size and it just uh i just think it looks cool yeah, yeah. Because yep. it does look cool. Because I mean, you've got like some lighting effect. There's like a like a like a like a almost like a starburst type of thing that kind of comes out of Cyclonus's engines as he you know kind of thrusts up and all that. It's it, it's really cool. And and again, like uh, we talked about Magnus earlier. There, there's there's a surprising amount of gymnastics in this minute. You know, everybody's mm-hmm, yeah. doing like extra flips and spins and jumps and stuff. It's a very dynamic. It kind of uh, something we talked about in other episodes. There are certain points of this movie that are more, for lack of a better phrase, anime-esque. Yeah. And I think this sequence is one of those that is more. One being mm-hmm. the transformation of Autobot City. Just the way they sort of extend the the sort of foreshortening and the like the, uh, uh, I don't know, that like certain extremities it's usually when certain extremities are... are extended longer than like in this sequence like we're paused at 5719 like i feel like magnus's antennae and just sort of the angle and the way they do it are more dynamic in that sort of 
anime way that we think Dram- of it as yeah. 80s 90s Physi- anime physically dramatic right yeah right, i think right. a lot of it is also depths of field where you have right. like close up mid and far ground sure yeah and, and some of them aren't so much that and i mean i don't know i mean <laughs> but th- well this is like i mean i guess this is a korean production in in essence or an american production via korea so i don't know if it counts as anime but it certainly has all those influences it's it's a very anime-esque uh a moment yes. in the movie they the at around fifty seven nineteen where we mm-hmm. pick up Cyclonus uh, or I'm sorry Magnus rather struggles to open the matrix. The scene changes from uh, kind of uh, to a behind Ultra Magnus point of view. We see Galvatron and Cyclonus. They approach Magnus as he continues to labor over it. Uh, <laughs> this is where the classic line mm-hmm. "Open, damn, damn it, open" uh, takes keyword. place. So that blew uh, yeah, my a lot mind. going on in those few seconds. As a kid, that blew my mind when well, yeah. I heard that because it's the one that just left in where they. T- I saw uh, the. I did. I did not see this in the theaters, and I mm-hmm. saw the um, the VHS copy, and so I did not hear the shit line that Spike oh, delivers. Okay. So this is the first sure. curse that I heard. And, but also the weird thing is like he can't open the matrix, so the matrix is like no bitch, and <laughs> but it like implies that the matrix has sentience. Sure. It, it, I think it does. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and we, we've seen this, I mean, we see it later in the movie, spoilers, you know, we, we see it in Return of Optimus Prime, spoilers. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Matrix has a degree of cognition to it. Um, and in fact, actually, let's go even further. You know, the, uh, the Matrix didn't open during Prime and Megatron's final battle. Because the Matrix mm-hmm. knew that, no, this is not their darkest hour. That's right. coming later. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think there is a uh, definite, a, a, a some kind of cognition there to where it just, sure. I mean, obviously it's because movie, but mm-hmm. um, uh, but still, it's like, you know, you, you see it not working, and then when it does work, it actually kind of makes sense. But um, a, yeah. cu- a couple things I wanted to tack on with uh, with this uh, these uh, couple seconds we were just talking about here. I like how, sure. how Magnus is just yanking on the Matrix like, like, <laughs> a child i mean the thing's got like finger holes in it and he's just like grabbing on it and he's yanking on it and struggling against it but the thing that that um i didn't notice this and i mean i've seen this movie a million times but i don't know how many times i've watched it with headphones on and like um when cyclonus and galvatron walk in first they're they're just watching him for a quarter second i don't know if you notice that they're just watching him looking unimpressed it's like let's watch this sack of shit struggle (laughs) look at this piece of shit over here but when they when they enter the other side of the frame it's it's almost like a like a western like like gunfight at high noon and there's this really cool stereo effect like you hear cyclonus in your left channel and then you hear galvatron in the right channel Wow, and, and I am, uh, I, I, we've got it on mute stopped. right now. But Western yeah. Western's a good analogy for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, it's very showdowny. Very showdowny. It very much Absolutely. is. E- even the way like Galvatron stomps his foot, you know, it's it's very much you know, hey pilgrim, but, into this into the into into the junkion. So their 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 feet make a big impression into the yeah the trash, yeah. It's like smushing into it. You know, and you know this is totally an 80s movie because Galvatron is totally wearing stirrup pants. 
You know, <laughs> I used to think that was the coolest thing when I was a kid. Uh, maybe because like I like Ducktales too, and Uncle Scrooge had like those spats that had like you know stirrups and straps in them, and I, I just always thought that look was super cool. Like uh, I've never thought of them as stirrup pants. Oh, like they're like metallic garters. Nope, they totally are. They will forever be metallic stirrup pants. Episode title. So this is maybe a bit of a divergence, but since we're talking about sure. Ultra Magnus and his inability to open the Matrix, it, ta- it takes me back to uh, the, the whole Optimus Prime death scene when he first okay. granted Ultra Magnus. And it's like, yeah. I mean, it's a question that can't be answered, but I guess it's fun to ponder. Was it all like, I mean, is it was it always just meant to be that only Hot Rod could open it, right? Well, think- like, like Ultra Magnus was never really a true quote unquote matrix holder. Well, he was just a vessel to keep that keep it warm. Keep it warm. He was just <laughs> well, while while think, Hot Rod waiting I for Hot Rod to be ready for there's it. There's things that the Matrix knows that even Prime did not. Sure. Right. And Prime made That's a logical fair. decision. When you look at Ultra Magnus in a lineup, I would say he's be the best qualified. Well, you're certainly not going to pick Hot Rod at that point in time. No, certainly not. Right. Everybody be so, like, what the fuck? Like, it's a Donald Trump thing. Important, <laughs> Again, we should have picked Springer. That's an important writer thing where it's like, if you're, you know, I think that makes a, I think that's a good decision for the writers, for for the for people that are watching the movie to know. Yeah. Like, I may not look like I'm the person that is destined for for stepping up and, mm-hmm. and accomplishing right. something ama- right. like amazing, but but I still have the possibility of, of, of achieving that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's classic hero's journey stuff. I mean, right. and that's, and that's all we're doing. And we're kind of in the, in the phase where you have kind of like the, the false hero and, you know, I mean, I mean, I feel bad for ultra Magnus right? though. Like sure. it's a hero's journey, but he's like the goat of this thing. Yeah, he's like, made some bad decisions. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, still should have gone to Springer. I mean, from a, just a true, what was that? Is that me? a sound effect. That, that, that's, no. a, that's a sound effect of goats yelling. One more time. God. <laughs> you, you've never heard that before? Is yeah, that, I've heard it. It uh, just it, in a non-visual format. What was the, it just uh, sounds like someone screaming. What was the video that was in the uh, music video? Of, um, you know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, yeah. I I can't place it, but I know what you're talking about. Anyway, anyway, well, this is a good transition point to uh, uh-huh. the, the next. Uh, so we're at about 57. 27 Mag- yeah. Magnus can not open the matrix right. uh, we re- we reference the uh, ground up shot uh, I yeah I never had thought of it thinking of it in a like a spaghetti western standpoint but it's great Galvatron's left leg Cyclonus's uh, right leg stomping through the garbage they come to a stop Ultra Magnus speaking to the matrix or really speaking well, I guess to Prime <laughs> yeah Prime you said the matrix would light our You're darkest hour liar. now <laughs> I believe that we are to assume that, like, these sort of um, unicronian Taylor Swift. It was Taylor Swift. Oh, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. This is a patented Caleb getting back <laughs> to it, in, interrupting the conversation to get back to our thing. Right, Taylor Swift what? Screaming ghosts. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was like going follow like, the yeah, money. trouble, trouble. Okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There you gotcha. go. Thank you. 2000, So I assume we're to believe that these Decepticons are souped up in a way like no Decepticons have been uh, souped up before. I don't know if you can quantify it. Like, is Galvatron twice as powerful as Megatron? And I guess I say that to say, like... Optimus Prime, if he were in these, this position, you can't really compare the two, but I'm gonna, like, he would have been trying to fight these guys. Yeah, that's the of- whole thing is, like, yeah, Ultra Magnus' death is really, un, like, it's just, like, 
This movie would have us believe the Autobots, with the exception of Prime, die. With, they're like as fragile as like a butterfly with influenza. Or it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous how easily they die. And he doesn't fight. And it's like it, it, it feels just worthless. If it were Prime against like Megatron and Starscream, he would be... You know, karate chopping those yep. guys, and like I don't know if it's just that Galvatron and Cyclonus are so much more powerful. But they don't even they... kill him. Well, I guess they don't. But I mean, is it their? I mean, to me, it's only it's only two on one by heroic standards. Right. That's that's easy, right? So, but yeah, I guess I yeah I don't well, know. I don't know why this would even qualify as a let's break out the Matrix moment, right? I mean, right. Gra- granted, there are actually limited. a lot of Decepticons still out there floating mm-hmm. around them, maybe, and he's about to get attacked by sweeps. But if you're just facing two guys, it feels like I'm just giving yeah. up. Yeah, it's a fairly limited threat to, like, pull out the nuclear option. Right. Well, and to be fair, I mean, they're scary-looking dudes. I mean, that, I mean, that's a lot purple. of purple for two dudes. <laughs> And I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. And and that uh that arm cannon is all glittery and gold. Uh, you know, kind of going back to the the original G one uh, Galvatron toy. I mean that that was that was all glittery. But but anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Maybe he was just his he's a scared because you know if I had if I had Leonard Nimoy drawn on me, I you know maybe that that might give me pause. I don't I don't know if it would be enough to whip out the Matrix. But I mean I mean to your guys's point, yeah, it it, it is it is kind of weird and it does kind of paint magnus as uh not not exactly cowardly but certainly not courageous to the level of say like an optimus prime or or shit even even springer would probably be you know whipping right. out his uh, uh swords at this point um, I, I i think ultra magnus at this situation just is in shock yeah what, what he the the thing that he was given by prime doesn't work for him right and, and he's incapacitated as yeah. a result sure that's a great that, that's fair that's definitely he's in, a he's fair in point. shock but yeah. he shouldn't have whipped it out to begin with he should have tried to some karate moves or something <laughs> first one thing like uh one and another thing that would also add even more uh credence to maybe his decision to pull out the matrix sure. is that these guys are still kind of an unknown element like yeah, yeah they've been attacked on earth but they haven't they, i think that was all sort of an aerial assault you haven't really kind of this is really the first face to face that uh these characters have had and knowing that there's i mean you don't know for a fact that these guys are associated with that other threat called Unicron that we've, you know, heard a legend of. But but uh, but you know, you could probably make some assumptions, and you just know that you've never seen them, and they seem to be pretty tough customers, I guess. Definitely. All right. Well, that brought that to a. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so as we continue. Um, uh, Galvatron speaks, and he knows Magnus's name, which right. I guess he if does. I were Magnus, well, I would be. Well, he should because well, he's Megatron. By his, but by well, he calls him Magnus. <laughs> yeah. Right? See, well, I, also I, Unicron has said his name. Yeah, mm, that's true. A, a couple times at this point, you know, he he's like, you know, th- their new leader, Ultra Magnus. You know, destroy it for me and all that. But I, uh, I, I just, I, I love a couple things here. One, uh, just the the expressions on both uh, Galvatron's face and like this little smarmy smile that Cyclonus has. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. that. And I didn't notice that before, but but I, I again, it's it's vintage Nimoy here. He's all like Magnus. I just love that. He's like yeah. calling him out. He's like I. Want want the matrix and it's just it, it's great 
that is a, also a great illustration of Galvatron. To back up to like maybe the 5731 or two, there's a up close shot of Magnus struggling with the Matrix again and he lifts it over his head. Yeah. That's a little bit of an awkward pose. It's actually. very awkward. You should not put Ultra Magnus's arms in the air. <laughs> like it looks it's, ridiculous. Like he, yeah, he lives, uh, yeah, there's it's like he's yeah. it's, it's because he's got those giant shoulder yeah. Yeah. things, Don't whatever you call them. But uh but at any rate, yeah, as we go into that, <laughs> you know, perfect shot of both uh Cyclonus and Galvatron looking quite cocky indeed. Yeah. Schmarmy. And and um Really confident and, you know, in themselves. And, and so, <laughs> as Mike said, they, they 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 want the Matrix. And really, this is the first point in the movie where there's admission that that's even their goal. I mean, they've been dogging these guys on Earth, in space, and now here on Junkion. And as far as the Autobots are concerned, they're just like, these guys are dicks. But, <laughs> yeah. ne- like, randomly attacking us. But, yeah. in, like, they finally, it's like, there's actually a goal here. We want that thing that's in your hands. Uh-huh. Give it to me. <laughs> and, and uh, of course, Ultra Magnus is uh, going to say never. And that's when Galvatron uh, makes the order for the sweeps to terminate him. And he, and he points And they at- do. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, I, I also, in the most oh, peculiar fashion. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's weird. I think we'll probably have a lot to say about that. The, but the, I also love uh, the way Galvatron beckons for the Matrix. Yes. The great close-up shot of Ultra Magnus at 57, 38, 39-ish. Mm-hmm. You see his face. That's his defiant face. And then you see Galvatron hey. just point at him and give yeah. like the death order. Yeah, like seriously. Well, and he like winds up too, you know, he like kind of, kind of pulls his arm back (laughs) and gestures boldly and then kind of like does this like, you know, kind of closed fist type of thing. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. So the next sequence here, we've got the sweeps. There's one, two, three, four of them. And, uh, I think we're probably gonna have a lot to say about this. We can decide if it makes more sense as a post show or might as well. I mean, we're at the, basically at the end of the minute, we can capture some of it. There's a lot of deviation as to, Mm -hmm. as to what happens and how Ultra Magnus dies. But what we see on screen is an entourage of sweeps Mm -hmm. and they descend upon Ultra Magnus. Each of them fire upon him Mm -hmm. and uh, he continues to hold the Matrix above his head. I counted the shots. He takes about five hits. Right. Uh, The laser fire ceases. Ultra Magnus crouches, kind of winces in agony. He's still clutching the Matrix. Galvatron, like he's hanging on for dear life, it feels like. Galvatron yells at him, die, die, until finally uh, he collapses. He loses his grip on the Matrix. Which which just flies conveniently right (laughs) into Galvatron's head. Yeah, he, he intercepts it. Hits the ground, sizzles a little bit, and uh-huh. then just fucking explodes. Yeah, like a rear-ended pinto. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and his body parts, including a severed head, go flying yeah. everywhere. And you cut to Galvatron, a very satisfied look in his face. He's got, got the it. Matrix in hand. And he says, Unicron, my master, with this I shall make you... My slave. I got your ass. And a nice little shiny shine of the Matrix. He Mm -hmm. holds it right up to the camera as if to say, I don't know. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I got your ass. I got your ass. Basically. So, and that really brings us to the end of the minute here. And actually, we went a little over it because uh, by where we stop, he says, uh, Unicron, (laughs) my master, with this I shall make you. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll make you. Well, so that closes out the minute, and that really brings us to the... (laughs) 
Guys, I don't really have much that is that different from what we see on screen in my version of the script. The listener will recall that my version is closer to what we see on screen. Ryan has a version that is uh, kind of an original first couple of drafts. And then we also have Mike on the line who has some some extra stuff from the comic book and some extra, I think, some audio clips yes. that sound very exciting. So, so just to get mine right out of the way in my script – Ultra Magnus is struggling, and the interesting difference between what we see on screen and what happens uh, in the script is that he's getting electric shocks while trying to pull. It's almost like the the Matrix is punishing him for even trying to open the damn thing. Like one of those terrible shock games that were popular like eight years ago. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Those popular things. I All right. What you're talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sex thing. Oh, God, God, God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so, so Mike, what have you got for us? Okay, so I got a, I got a couple things. Like uh, you had mentioned, one of them is the uh, original Marvel comic book adaptation from 1986, which I'll get to that in a sec. But first, um, hey, uh, hey, Ryan. So yeah. you, uh, you have the uh, Ladybird. Uh, adaptation of the movie, right? Yes, yes, I do. I'm sorry, the, I mean, the it, storybook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, not not with you or whatever. But yes, exactly. Yes, so, I do. I do possess it. So when you got it, did it happen to come with a cassette? No, it did not. Oh, very good. Well, so um, that um, a little bit of uh, a little bit on that Ladybird uh, storybook is that not only is it a storybook, but there's an audio cassette that goes with it. It's meant to be a read along book. So what oh, you do is oh. you put in the cassette, you listen to it and read along in the book. You know, it's kind of like to help uh, kids read a mm-hmm. little bit. And I uh, I did some digging and I actually found the uh, the the full audio from that cassette. And I have uh, some audio from the the uh, Ladybird adaptation uh, that covers this particular minute. And Great. I thought it would be fun to share because it is. It's interesting. So are we, are okay. we ready for a quick uh, audio interlude here? Please. Let's <laughs> do right, it. Let's yeah. fire this up. The Autobots made a fighting retreat down a long valley. The junk piled on either side gave some protection from the Decepticon fire. Ultra Magnus brought up the rear. He waited until the Autobots were clear. Then he fired his laser weapon to bring down some of the junk as a barrier behind them. Now he stood alone before the fury of the Decepticon attack. From a ridge nearby, Galvatron watched. Ultra Magnus opened his chest compartment and took out the Matrix. It pulsed with power, but a special shield prevented its full power from being released. Ultra Magnus pulled, but the shield remained firm. Prime, he cried. You said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Then, at a command from Galvatron, a flight of his evil warriors raced overhead, and a salvo of cannon fire blasted Ultra Magnus. Galvatron seized the Matrix with a cry of triumph, and the battle was over. The Decepticons withdrew victoriously as quickly as they had arrived. So... (laughs) Wow. There's a lot wow. to unpack. There. That's intense. I've never, Holy that's shit. So I shit my lasers. pants. So many lasers. <laughs> I know. They were constant, like, wall to wall lasers. That was awesome. Okay. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, that was... Uh... 
<laughs> so many laser wow. blasts. Um, okay, so um, so moving on from that, so not a whole lot of differences there, but there is like this whole perspective of like this energy shield around the Matrix, mm-hmm. which I hadn't really heard of before, and yeah. it's something that's not in this uh, version from the comic book. So now, I wonder he- if that's relative to like the electrical energy they talked about shocking him. Oh. And- and and maybe maybe that was kind of the translation of that to that book form. And also, it was a missed opportunity. They never really showed Ultra Magnus uh, uh, Open getting. His chest. Yeah, he, it was just in his hands yeah. all of a sudden. And I will say that, like on the cover of that uh, Ladybird book, it shows Hot Rod. It's a real spoiler. Shows Hot Rod holding the Matrix, <laughs> know, but right? it's just the core. There's no like handles or anything. It's just the shining core. Yeah, it's like like a crystal ball, like cells. No, it's an original. uh, It's an original drawing for the book, for the cover of the book. It's the only original art in the book. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think you guys have covered this before. Kind of like the the evolution of the design of the Matrix. You know, it's like in in different phases of production, it looks different. Like you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it looks like a crystal ball. Other times it looks like a rock. Other times it looks like you know the Matrix that we know. Um. So yeah. So that that design went through several phases up until uh, uh the final animation and the final movie. So um. So I I'm gonna read a little bit from this comic book um now this was uh issue number three of the uh transformers the movie adaptation from marvel comics it was uh, adapted by ralph macchio and i i have to <laughs> warn you here not not the karate kid the the uh, not that ralph Macchio. Yeah, yeah apparently this guy is like a guy that's a guy like he's written like spider-man comics for like 30 years and is you know a pretty uh prolific writer in uh in terms of marvel comics but he's trying to do a lot with a little in in this uh, comics adaptation, it's bonkers because like all of the the um, uh, speech bubbles are full of exposition. So they, mm. they try to do a lot. So so I'm gonna try to get through this as best as I can. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna pick up where uh, Cyclonus and Galvatron kind of show up. Um, <clears throat> Cyclonus comes to a halt in midair as Decepticon leader Galvatron leaps out to confront Autobot chief Ultra Magnus. So we meet again, Autobot fool. Unicron, the planet eater, informed me that you had not died in our last encounter and that I would find you (laughs) on Junkion, Galvatron says. You have something I desire. Give it to me now. Give me the leadership matrix. He says, pointing okay. at, it. and and I'm gonna take pictures of this to you know uh, forward to you guys to put up on uh, on the Absolutely. website if you'd like. Sure. Um, so Ultra Magnus is seen uh, struggling with a prototype version of the Matrix. It's just kind of like a green block, and uh, the caption reads, "The Matrix, an Autobot object of unbelievable power that was recently passed on to Ultra Magnus by the late Autobot leader Optimus Prime." Why won't the Matrix open? Prime said the Matrix would light our darkest hour, and now I can't even remove it from its casing. <laughs> to which Galvatron- pretty casual dialogue there. It's like, I can't get the cap open. And also, way to, way to show your hand to the bad guys in front of you. Because like Galvatron's like right there. So the next panel, um, it's Galvatron pointing in the and kind of like what we see in the movie and the sweeps over his shoulder. The fool can't even make the leadership matrix works. Sweeps, quarter him is the order. 
You turn Word. the page. So it's a panel of Ultra Magnus standing. Oh. The four sweeps come down. There's laser beams emitting from them with sound effects that say spring, spring, spring <laughs> with, with various I's and N's and G's. It's very dramatic. And then the next panel, no defense is possible as the stunned Autobot commander is lifted uh, by the four Decepticon sweeps. And it shows him with uh, laser ropes around his arms and ankles. And he's holding the green Matrix cube. Uh, despite Ultra Magnus's great strength, the beams begin to pull his trapped limbs taut. Inexorably, inexorably and, and actually in the illustration, there's like shaky lines, you know, as like, you know, he's being pulled. Uh, inexorably, his body is stretched to the breaking point. Uh, Magnus says, I, I failed you, Optimus, failed you, at, and, and all those you left me to lead, I'm so sorry, so very sorry, I, I, and then the, uh, in the next panel, he explodes, gets torn <laughs> apart. Yeah, we're, we, we, found, we found a quick reference to this online, we're looking at this, that's really disturbing. Isn't that brutal? I... <laughs> that's the one but then like the i love this because it kind of matches the ma the the movie the matrix just kind of falls into galvatron's hands and he says ah just what i'd hope would fall into my hands and the last panel is him uh holding the matrix not unlike the final movie except if um i don't know if you could see it on uh your version but it's just basically like it's a green cube mm -hmm, it kind of yeah. looks like a delicious lime jello treat <laughs> Yeah. But it's got, yeah. like, but it's got like this weird plug on the side, like uh, yeah, you know, like the like the cap that Ultra Magnus couldn't open or something like you were talking about earlier. Maybe it's some kind of weird uh, plug of oh. some kind. Nothing, Ryan, really. No, <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's cut. Maybe it's a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. It's like I mean, somebody. Sorry, no, I was just looking. I'm sorry. sorry. I was lost in thought yeah, of like sorry. I could fuck we're that so cube. Sorry, he let you down. I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like it, it's like somebody's fucking that thing, right? <laughs> but yeah. So so Galvatron says I, the the leadership matrix of the Autobots. Its power incalculable. Unicron, my master, in quotes. With this, I shall make you my slave! Exclamation point. Uh, I do like the read the, the way the Matrix. I mean, presumably that was. I mean, I think when that comic was written, they were working off of a mid-stage. Yeah, yeah, the movie wasn't done, and uh, so they didn't really have any sense of where the design of the Matrix would go. I like the way it went and on screen versus what we saw on the page there. Ryan, why don't you take it away? What I've I've heard oh. rumor that we're in for a, an interesting it's so ride here. Fucking strange. Okay. Um, I am going to compress some of this because it's like it, there's a lot, but basically when we left off it's kind of the same where Galvatron is is shooting at uh, the Autobots as they're running away um, in this one uh, he pulls uh, Perceptor aside and they the shuttle isn't destroyed and so he pulls Perceptor aside behind the shuttle and um, Ultramagus says did you do what I asked and Perceptor opens something like a steel attache case, which has been clipped to his belt, sets it down. Attache? Absolutely. Attache case. Yes, sir. I did, but the tolerances are not quite as close as I would have liked. But then, see for yourself. Perceptor transforms to microscope mode, and Ultra Magnus looks through the eyepiece into the attache case. Perceptor voiceover. However, they should serve the purpose. View of inside of the case. In the case are small models of Blur, Springer, RC, and Perceptor in humanoid modes. Okay. This is where I wrote, What? <laughs> Wow. And then Perceptor 
Each is a perfect pseudo-clone in every respect. Witness the transformation capabilities. The models each transform in unison into their robot modes, or into their alt modes, and then transform back again to humanoid modes. These models do not move, just transform. Ultra Magnus looks away and says, Will they fool Galvatron when they attain full size? And Perceptor says, I said it like 20 episodes ago, I was going to do for Ultra Magnus' John Wayne, and I just remembered it. Okay. <laughs> Perceptor says, of course, so long as they remain mobile, but there is every possibility Galvatron will realize they are fraudulent should termination take place. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, wow, where uh, are Ultra we Magnus, going, so this man? is all happening while they're being fired upon by the Yeah, they're in like a little like like sheltered area behind the shuttle. Okay. They're still right. being fired at. And then um, Ultra Magnus, uh, say it, say it plainly. <laughs> if Galvatron examines the remains of the clones after he's destroyed them, he'll know he's been tricked. I can deal with that. Be ready. And I circled that with three exclamation points because I'm like, that's the first time he can deal with anything. He does <laughs> not good. say that. Holy shit. He, he does. He, he actually says he can deal, can deal with, with it. I can deal with that. Uh, the Ultra Magnus ducks out and uh, like is, is racing away, um, and then uh, Dirge peels off, firing at Ultra Magnus Perceptor as he draws an antenna-like apparatus from the back of the case, which contained the miniature clones, and then um, it starts pulsing with magnetic waves, and the small clones begin to grow and grow, rapidly expanding to resemble the full-size Autobots they will substitute for. It's like those magic glow grow crystal tablets you put in the water and they grow into like sponge dinosaurs. Yeah. I know what so, you're talking about. Yes, yeah, I, I guess you can understand what growing means no matter. I don't need like <laughs> no, the analog just, of that. Just, no, I like that analog though. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so on RC, uh, she hurdles uphill with the Constructicons chasing after her, firing, and then she crests the hill and Astro Train, who's been lying in wait, clutches her and pins her to the ground. Ugh. And I'm like, ew. What? I wrote ew. Yeah. <laughs> and she, he says, Prepare for oblivion, little shebot. Oh, oh no. man. Mm. Yep. That's uh, uncomfortable. Astro That's a Weinstein con. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Astro Train starts to open the door to flamethrower, which I don't, I think, I don't know what that means. Um, and then uh, another angle is Daniel roll, roars up over the hill from the opposite direction and reacts, transforming into humanoid mode. And he screams, RC! And Astro Train says, you're next, microbe. And Daniel, as he quickly aims Exoglove at Astro Train, scarcely bothering to think, shouts, weld him. <laughs> and Daniel's blast hits and melts his joints, fusing him into welded immobility. And what? yes. Oh, man. So, yeah. And then Kids a RC is like, Jeez. RC's like, let's move. So literally, she has been saved by a child who just learned how to use an exosuit. Whom she just ditched on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And then Blur uh, shoots across the open area, the Decepticons firing missiles, and then suddenly, when in the gully, an explosion of camouflaged gas billows up, filling the gully. And everybody's like... Camouflaged gas? Yeah, it's okay, convoluted. Anyway. I'm trying to, like, skip for time, because it's so complicated. But, like, Blur says, what happened? Cough, cough, where am I? And then there is another angle on Perceptor, who was holding a strange glowing lantern and beckons to Blur. This way, quietly. It's Ultra Magnus's plan. They enter, <laughs> they enter the smoke area, and uh, they've gotten everybody together except for Springer. And Daniel says, I don't understand what's going on. Springer springs into the smoke, looks around, pushes through, and emerges beside Perceptor. Because every time he moves, it says he springs. Mm -hmm. uh, Ultra Magnus said to double back, but he didn't say anything about this. 
please keep your vertical projection wavelengths on a low frequency. And then we see the clones, which are now full-size uh, replicas of the Autobots, moving away, and Galvatron flies into the scene, and the Decepticons go through the valley, and Galvatron says, Why do you hesitate? Are you afraid of a little camouflage smoke? Blast them and keep blast! And then as, as the replicas roar out of the smoke, followed by R.C. Springer, the blur, blur replica roars out, followed by R.C. Springer and Perceptor, each of which fires those Decepticons and take off. And I'm like, okay, this is the point where I'm like, you can make clones that have offensive capabilities? Well, just, just do that. You just have an army, yeah. <laughs> and then Galvatron says, stop them, exterminate them. Ultra Magnus is mine. Uh, this just seems like another excuse for butchering more Autobots because then they slay the replicas. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, they just exterminate them. And then Springer says, but those copies won't deceive the Decepticons once they examine the remains. And I'm like, why are they so focused on examining the remains? <laughs> I do not understand. Well, they're looking for treasure, you know, see if there's like, you know, like gems and gold and jewels and like stuff. Like when you something in a video game. Yeah, totally. Oh, there's a key in here. Sweet. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, basically the Ultra Magnus is now the only one out in the open and he's surrounded by Decepticons getting shot and um, uh, ever, after all the replicas are dead, um, Ultra Magnus is now on one knee, still fighting, one arm hanging uselessly at his side, almost severed and sparkling and smoking. Whoa. And Galvatron says, I have the real deal. Yeah. I, this is the real, there was no Ultra Magnus clone. Galvatron says, I've waited for this instant, Ultra Magnus. First Optimus Prime, and now you. Ultra Magnus turns to Galvatron and hurls bombs at him, but Galvatron roars and transforms and point blank delivers a blast to his face. And he is shattered, body parts melting and strewn about, his torso and head with one flailing arm attached sinks and falls in a putter of dying sparks. Straight up execution. Holy yeah, I'm like, I mean, shut. Damn, Friedman. Uh, Galvatron kneels over Ultra Magnus, and here's where we get into the 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 cut the buzz saw. He extends a razor saw extension from his hand, brings it down on Ultra Magnus's chest, and now and says, "Now I shall have the final prize of conquest." Cuts into his chest and extracts the life spark of Optimus Prime, which, if you remember, in this script is not a physical object; it's a ghostly tiny Prime. Right, he's like a little mini spy, basically. You yeah, know, just it's like, like a tiny little, like, yeah. white, shining Optimus Prime. As opposed to the Prime. Matrix of Leadership? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you remember whenever he passed it from Optimus to Perceptor, or from Optimus to Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus, like, shot a beam into Prime's chest, and a ghostly Optimus Prime went right. out of his chest into, into Ultra Magnus. There was no physical Matrix. No. Yeah, just the life spark. It's the life spark, okay. yeah. yeah. And he extracts the life spark and places it in a small bottle, which hangs around his neck. Do they refer to it as the Matrix? Does he say anything like no, the they Matrix? Call, they call I it, want it. They call it the life spark. Okay, all right, all right. Sorry. Um, and like, so he hangs this bottle around his neck, which is like, I wondered how they would deal with the non-corporeal Matrix. So they just deal with it like he's catching fireflies. Like, like Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah, and then Victory Zars return to Earth and stop all energy supply from a jester. And then uh, intercut to Daniel and our friends during Life Spark Operation as they react with anger and sadness. And I'm like, well, but you fucking didn't do anything about it at all. And that's the end of that minute. Wow. Wow. Huh. Binockers. Binockers? Binockers. That's a cross-reference between bananas and bonkers. That's <laughs> true. Binockers. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Nice. So, uh... 
Mike, I think we've talked yeah. a couple of times about a script that you have on hand. Is that similar to what you have? You know what? Upon further investigation, I actually <laughs> have the exact same script that Ryan does. So mine okay. mine is uh, unfortunately not any different. Um, but I I hadn't read that in a while, so I actually forgot about like the the buzz sawing and stuff. But it, mm-hmm. but it cracks me up. Like as you guys were talking, I was flipping through this uh, comic book here, and you know, going way 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 ahead, um, Galvatron has like the you know matrix around his neck like it's shown later in the movie but it looks like it could be like a jar type of thing you know really? another another one of those weird matrix designs and yeah. I, I was just flipping through it and i was like holy shit that looks like that could be you know the 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 life spark you know chamber bottle thing um that uh that that we were all talking about but yeah no that's that's all i've got for for extra stuff it's it's bonkers though that that ultra magnus dies i guess technically three different ways you know, in, yeah. the, in the movie, yeah. he's felled by laser blasts and, you know, like in the comic book here, you know, he's he's drawn and quartered. And in the original script, he was just, you know, basically like gunned down and chopped open. And mm-hmm. and and I don't know, guys, what what is, I guess, the most brutal uh, or the mm. worst of all of these? Oh. Because they're, they're all pretty intense. I, I would say that being drawn and quartered is. Worse than what ended up in the movie. Uh, that's sure. my vote too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It looked pretty intense in the in the visuals from the comic book that we were flipping through yeah. on screen. Like it's just, uh, but the but you're talking about though. He was in Ryan's version of the script. He was basically fairly incapacitated, mm-hmm. and then Galvatron transformed and to, into a cannon and just shot him right in the face. Yep. And that's like some ISIS shit. Well, that's, you know what that's, I mean? That's, like that's that's, that's, that's freaky. That's that's cold blood. <laughs> but I would still say that being like drawn and quartered. Ultra Magnus that's, would probably suffer that's more. That's some William Wallace shit right there. <laughs> or some, yeah. some like... Uh, uh, William Wallace or, or, or is Henry Longshanks. Oh, I thought he was drawn and quartered, at least in the movie Braveheart. Uh, uh, Braveheart he did, he, that's he also just, done. I mean, it's, he's yeah. stretched on the rack. It, it's okay. it's all, all right. of it, basically. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Andy, I think he had his dick cut off also. Yeah, that's where he's just Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's implied. Good lord. All right, yeah. Okay, God. That's what you do when... That's what I Magnus, I will say that I would say drawn in quarters the worst. That's my opinion on the matter. So I'll, uh, I don't know. I think Ryan's thing is a little bit more brutal to me. Just the idea of just the, the execution, like just, in the same way, every time I see a movie, I even saw, I saw Book of Mormon last week okay. in, in in New York City, and there's a scene where a person gets their brains blown out, like pistol, and, and it's a comedy, right? But sure. there's a scene where a guy gets his brains blown out, right? Like right, and I, that part just ugh, made me just well, feel yeah, gross. But I guess to me, my thought is like, what would I rather have done to me? Uh, I'd rather be shot in the fucking head yeah, than have too. my limbs ripped off. Yeah, just for me as a viewer, I guess is what I'm looking at it as, yeah. not as a victim. Oh, I, I I put myself in everything, right, well. which is why porn is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, we, yeah, we I do that. We we go back to something we were we were talking about uh, quite some time ago, and the the brutal deaths in this movie. And I pointed to Prowls actually being the most yeah. brutal because you know you get like the 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 orange smoke and the eye changes, and I think I. I, 
I I was originally drawn and quartered, but you know I'm I'm leaning more team Aaron here because imagine how that headshot would be depicted in the movie. You know, you would see like you he would look. I'm imagining something kind of like like the T1000. You know, like when mm-hmm. it takes like the shotgun to the face and it you know gets all you mm-hmm. know bent ass shape and stuff. I think it would be a pretty brutal looking headshot. And then to basically have his uh, corpse assist defiled with a it you know a buzzsaw, you know, a razor blade type thing and have like the the life spark, I guess, not the Matrix, but, you know, basically have this like chopped out of him. I think that might actually be a little more intense than uh, than drawn and quartering. I, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I, up to the last minute, they must have made the decision to not do the draw and quartering scene because when you look at around 5742, mm-hmm. you yep. see a quartet of yeah. sweeps yep. flying in they deliver laser shots that are, are not constant. pulsing later like, exactly yeah. they're yeah. they are constant right. laser shots yep. and it is not until like the very next cut when you see that now all of a sudden they're pulsing laser shots that are just bouncing off ultra magnus and the pile of junk behind him mm-hmm. so i'm convinced at some point like very close in production yeah. like somebody threw a flag and was like uh, we're not going to do that whole drawn and quarter thing. And they're like, well, we're going to have to reanimate this thing. And they're going to be like, eh, leave it. <laughs> It'll be yeah, fine. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think it was a late change. But uh, either way, that would have been horrifying. I, I think that probably the least horrifying thing is what we saw on screen and yeah. is given everything else we've seen as children, that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. So at this point in the show, generally we get a visitor that kind of like <laughs> knocks upon our bed. All right, so, okay, we can... We can... I, I tell you what, 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 once you're on the other side of the curtain, there is no going back because I'm just like, that's it. I'm, that's, I'm that's, so he's like, I. <laughs> so, Max. so, um, so, I mean, I guess it's pretty obvious what yeah. the iconic. Time for watching some Netflix and DiGiorno pizza. <laughs> what? I don't even know where he's going with this one. <laughs> Uh, so it's. I guess it's pretty obvious what the most iconic part. Yeah, of there's this not really. Do we even is. have to ask? Um, does it take away? Does it take anything away from it that that uh, he comes right fucking back to life? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. It's completely impertinent. Like there's no fucking reason. He could have just been immobilized. He didn't have to be dead. Or just beat the it, shit out of him and taken the Matrix yeah. and blow, flown off. Because then it brings up the point of like, huh, should we go get Prime's fucking body? <laughs> right, yeah. It, it creates more questions than it does it absolutely. answers, for it does. sure. <laughs> well, you um, know, and, and, and one thing on this, you know, I guess I, I'll uh, ask this while while we're here at this, uh, this particular uh, spot of the show. Um, did this... You know, Ultra Magnus's death, did it have any, like, resonance or, you know, were you at all affected, you know, watching it? Because, you know, like, you we've seen so many of the heroes die and get cut down and all this. I remember even being, like, seven years old watching this in the theater. I'm like, he ain't dead. I mean, you know, he mm-hmm. says, I mean, maybe because it was something, you know, again, with the way the animation went. But I remember distinctly that, like, you know, noticing that basically he just kind of breaks apart. You know, mm-hmm. it's like his head, his arms, his legs. I mean, it all, it's yeah. all intact. It's just kind of, you just kind of, you know, just kind of. Perfectly, perfectly segmented. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost like he's a crash. The, the remember those toys, the crash test the crash dummies. Test dummies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, I, I guess at least in Ryan and my experience of not seeing it in the movie and having seen season three and seen oh, Ultra Magnus sure. as a character, I guess to us it could not have had the impact right. based on we already knew that he was going to somehow get out of it. But but um, but God, to have it paused at fifty seven fifty two here, where his and, head's inverted, flying away. <laughs> and, yeah, and his, oh yeah. Usually, I think an arm and a leg and just a giant explosion. It's just like, like, ha- like I feel like he's got a worse death than Optimus Prime, really, in this, or at least a less recoverable death than Optimus Prime in yeah, that sense. Like it agree. looks like like he should be all kinds of messed up. Yeah, there's there's no if if he's like if he's coming back from this. No, then, you don't Prime, understand. Prime, Prime, junkie Prime. on Grease. <laughs> hey, let's not get into that. Yeah, That's spoilers. for another minute. Spoilers. <laughs> so, um, so I think I think I think we're all on the same page as far as iconic well, moments go. You, so you know what uh, though? You know what Ryan? though? Actually, oh, go hang ahead. on, Sorry. hang on. I, I I'm going to be Captain Contrarian here because of what we just set up. That's actually not my iconic moment. I think for oh, me, dude. the the shot of Galvatron brandishing the Matrix and calling out Unicron, yeah. that's what sticks out to me in this scene even more so uh-huh. than the because because it's it's Nimoy's line delivery. It's really well yeah. animated and it's just it's just cool looking. So like yeah. I mm-hmm. I just it, it sticks with me. I think a little more than this. This is obviously significant for this uh, um, kind of portion of the movie. But I think Galvatron kind of turning the tables or at least starting to think that he can, I think is even more pivotal and ironic, uh, ironic, uh, more uh, more iconic for the overall plot and the progression of, you know, obviously the entire third act of the movie is based on this moment. This is this is our last stop before Unicron, uh, you know, goes on the path Turns that on he does. Him, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So, so and, and it's because so of that this. is. A- Oh, sorry. Please go ahead. Uh, that was it. I was done. <laughs> well, no. So I, I that is a great point. We do have two kind of interesting iconic moments here, and I think it's this isn't the first time that we've seen Galvatron's treacherous nature. I'm trying to remember if it was like at what point he had said he. Uh, uh, what the context was when he said he was going to turn on Unicron, essentially the first chance he gets. I'm trying to remember which scene was that? Was that I after killing Starscream? Was that after, ah, gosh, See, I can't I, quite, unless I, I'm making it up. Unless I, I'm just I don't think, I don't think it happened. I mean, it, I believe it comes up in some of the script deviations, but I don't think it happens in the movie proper because anytime, I think you're right. Because anytime right. he shows any kind of like free will or forward thinking, you know, he gets the, you know, the, the, the red, um, you know, the, the, the torture. And so anytime, Which leads me to believe, why didn't Unicron just torture him right now yeah. <laughs> for that matter? But that's, well, well that's, maybe uh, because the, the matrix is protecting him, I guess. I don't... Maybe so. Maybe just even possession of it. Maybe. Um, anyway. So <laughs> anyway, that's a great one. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, Next time on the Autobahn Decepticast. So next time we're going to see uh, Quintessa again. We're going to head back there for the trial of Hot Rod and Cup. Uh, in addition, we're going to chop up some Sharktacons with the help of the old kickaxe. <laughs> yes.
Nice. <laughs> and that's it, guys. All so, right. So first of all, before we get into the social media shout out, mm-hmm. thank you to Mike for, A, having us on your program, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. And thanks for coming on to ours, man. It was great yeah, to have you here, man. Mike was, by the way, Mike, Mike, uh, we were on Mike's episode on April 10th. 10th yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a few weeks ago. Um, and that was awesome. You could go back in the feeds and check that out if you haven't yet, because that was, uh, you know, it, it, it's actually going to work out really well if you, oh, I don't know, maybe take both podcasts and listen to them in sequence together. There, there uh, may sure, be, why not? There may be some continuity threads there. Who could say, mm-hmm. though? I mean, it's it's been a few weeks since we've talked, you know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> fucking oh, radio, man. Fucking radio magic. magic. Keep that curtain. Keep that yeah, curtain closed. <laughs> oh, uh, if where where if people decided that they thought you were a good contributor to this episode and would like to hear more of you, where where would they hear more uh, of you? Well, they can find me a couple few different places. You can find me at Mike Seibert Radio on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and on the Facebook. Um, I have I have a weird spelling on the uh, the Twitter, but basically, if you if you t- start typing in Mike Seibert, I'm the one that's not the Mars Rover guy you know just kind of like how uh how jet has the thing where he's not the the mama fighter um there's, there's you you type in mike cybert the first match is like the dude that worked on the mars rover i assure you that is not me but uh but no i i do a lot on twitter i do some instagram and i'm uh relatively new on the face space i just you know i've started to kind of try to uh you know reach more people with the podcast so um you know i i have a a uh, personal page there as well as a show page. Again, that is at Mike Seibert Radio. And the spelling is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. So it's either spelled backwards or pronounced backwards, depending upon where you're from. Uh, quick tangent, um, I uh, I have a buddy of mine. Uh, he's the host of the Mr. BS Show podcast out of uh, uh, Colorado. And he spells it exactly the same way I do, S-E-I-B-E-R-T, except he pronounces his name Siebert. And uh, most people, you know, when they I can always tell who's listened to the show when they get the pronunciation right, like like you guys. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, they're in our cap. Well, and that's that's the thing. I mean, like they'll, uh, you know, give me shout outs and they'll be like Mike Siebert. I mean, it's it's a weird thing. I've I've dealt with it all my life. I don't really care one way or the other but anyway sorry um at mike cybert radio twitter instagram facebook you can also send me an email mike cybert radio at gmail.com you can listen to the podcast on soundcloud google play music uh, stitcher radio app and on apple podcasts if uh, if you'd like to leave me a review let me know i will give you a shout out on the air um if i figure out how to make it work i, I actually kind of like uninstalled uh, apple podcast for a few because it was just mooching too much of my computer's memory. That's uh, that's for example why I haven't left you guys a review because I <laughs> I can't get them to stick. It's like I, I, I haven't left us a review either. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, have, have you guys ever had that problem where like you type up a review and like it you do it like you know maybe a couple times and it doesn't stick? It's it's kind of mm-hmm. it's weird. Anyway, well, you I'll, tell us because I left you one uh, the other day. <laughs> so if it doesn't stick, let me know. It's all good. Oh, that's funny. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. Check um, it out. <laughs> I'll give you a shout out on the air. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's no. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, no. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Mike Seibert Radio. And that's uh, that that's about where you can you can find me on the on the social medias and on the internets. There's a I think there's a handful of other podcast 
watching apps that I'm sure I'm on that I don't know about. But sure. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, my primary feed is on SoundCloud. We are the ones we choose to be on for ourselves. The Autopod Decepticast are iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. And then we've got, of course, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all of them are at apoddecast. And Ryan, I'm sure there's going to be plenty to put on the autopoddecepticast.com website this week. No. All right. (laughs) I love web presence. (laughs) Yeah, I'll figure, like, again, I forget all about it until I go through and edit and remember, oh, yeah, I make notes about what to put up there. So (laughs) tune into that. And we love raiders and subscribers as well. Mike's going to rate us. He's going to rate us on iTunes, I'm sure, right? Yeah, totally. That, that's Well, especially since you <laughs> three took the stars. T- <laughs> yeah, three stars. Yeah, these guys are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> They're average. At yeah. yeah, I mean, they came on my show and started talking about finger banging and all that kind of stuff. It's like, what the hell are <laughs> they doing here? Touche, touche. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Everybody take care. Have a great week. All right, bye, yeah. bye, bye. 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 Make good choices. Good choices. <laughs> 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 Brussels, Brussels, where we sell good. <laughs>